Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and due to your incredible support, the original My Slippers are almost completely sold out. As a special thank you, I am launching my brand new all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98. This is a limited time offer, so go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get all my new footwear for as low as $29.98. My all-season slippers are made with my exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. They're finished with a breathable fabric so you can wear them all year round. And my new slides and sandals are made with patented impact gel, making them ultra comfortable and extremely durable. I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable footwear you'll ever own. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now to get your very own all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98 with your promo code. This is an introductory offer and it won't last long, so order now. It's time to resist. They can't arrest us all. And they can't keep all your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and feckless bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. The only way to stop these mandates is to refuse to comply, refuse to show vaccine passports, refuse to wear a mask, refuse to stay at home. We will not comply with Fauci. We will not comply with Joe Biden, and we will not comply with authoritarian governors. I am not going to comply. This ends now. Broadcasting live and live to Patriot Control of America. You're listening to the Patriot Party Podcast. Now on the show, the chair is against the wall. The muskrat jumps over the berm. I know why you're here, Neil. I know what you've been doing. I know why you hardly sleep. Why you live alone and why night after night you sit at your computer. You're looking for him. I know because I was once looking for the same thing. And when he found me, he told me I wasn't really looking for him. I was looking for an answer. It's the question that drives us, Neo. It's the question that brought you here. You know the question, just as I did. That September day Were you in the yard With your wife and children Or working on some stage in L.A. Did you stand there in shock At the sight of that black smoke Rising against that blue sky Did you shout out in anger And fear for your neighbor Or did you just sit down and cry Did you weep for the children who lost their dear loved ones? Pray for the ones who don't know. Did 
you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sobbed for the ones left below? Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue and the heroes who died just doing what they do? Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer and look at yourself and what really matters? I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN but I'm not sure I can tell you The difference in Iraq and Iran But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope and love are some good things He gave us Greatest is love Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September day Teaching a class full of innocent children Or driving down some cold interstate Did you feel guilty cause you're a survivor In a crowded room did you feel alone did you call up your mother and tell her you loved her? Did you dust off that Bible at home? Did you open your eyes and hope it never happened? Close your eyes and not go to sleep? Did you notice the sunset the first time in ages and speak to some stranger on the street? Did you lay down at night Think of tomorrow, go out and buy you a gun Did you turn off that violent old movie you're watching And turn on I Love Lucy reruns Did you go to a church and hold hands with some strangers Stand in line and give your own blood Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family Thank God you had somebody to love simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus and I talk to God, and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us. And the greatest is love I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN But I'm not sure I can tell you The difference in Iraq and Iran But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us And the greatest is love And the greatest is love And the greatest is love Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September day?
people say We don't need this war But I say there's some things worth fighting for What about our freedom And this piece of ground We didn't get to keep them By backing down They say we don't realize The mess we're getting in Before you start your preaching Let me ask you this, my friend Have you forgotten How it felt that day your homeland under fire and her people blown away. Have you forgotten when those towers fell? We had neighbors still inside going through a living hell. And you say we shouldn't worry about Bin Laden. Have you forgotten? Took all the footage off my TV Said it's too disturbing for you and me It'll just breed anger That's what the experts say If it was up to me, I'd show it every day Some say this country's just out of looking for a fight after 9-11, man, I'd have to say that's right Have you forgotten how it felt that day See your homeland under fire and her people blown away Have you forgotten when those towers fell We had neighbors still inside going through a living hell Back fuckers to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast. I am conspiracy. Yeah, but it's still a Patriot Party Podcast. (laughs) It's too conspiracy. God damn it! (laughs) With another edition 
of the Patriot Party podcast. True spiracy. True spiracy. There you go. <laughs> I am the making with me, of course, is my much more interruptive better half. <laughs> v Lynn. You should be used to it by now. So uh let me start. No, I'm gonna start. <sighs> so before we get into this, uh let's just go ahead and lay some ground rules, okay? This is a intervention. No. This is a very touchy subject. Yes. um, For, I'd say about 30% of America, um, roughly right there in the corner of the Northeast. Um, I understand we're going to, we're going to be talking about some shit today. That's probably, probably going to piss some people off. Mm -hmm. Um, Just remember at the end of the day, we're still all on the same team. We might, we're never going to agree on everything. All right. You're never going to convince another person that you're right and they're wrong. So at the end of the day, we're still on the same team. We can have arguments and disagreements about what took place, but let's just make sure that the ground rules are set that, Hey, it's water off a duck's back at the end of the day. All right. And we, apparently have guests coming in already. So, um, so, uh, ghost from my third eye podcast is going to be joining us now. Welcome. How you doing? I'm doing good. Can you guys hear me? All right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Great. And, uh, Noel Rodriguez will be joining us in a little bit. He's actually at a nine and 11 Memorial on his way home from a nine 11 Memorial service right now. So, um, so he will be, he'll be joining us in, in a little bit. Can you oh, zoom the camera out just a little bit? Because okay. every time I sit up a little bit. Yeah, I think the dogs off. are playing with it again. They like to do that. The fucking dogs. You know, just leave it to some animals to fuck shit up. God damn it. Out? Yeah. Out. There you go. Okay. I, now I got to re- sit up really, really high. If I just do this, I don't look like my head. That's gets, good. I, I get decapitated. All right. So, and I, I agree. This, this is a very touchy subject. So, um, it's 9-11 is one of those things that one of those events that happened that you always remember where you were it like JFK being shot. If you were alive for that, uh, or the challenger exploding. So 9-11, where were you? I was in Colorado. So we'll we'll tell everybody what you did. (laughs) Uh, So now, mind you, we we grew up in New York and then Connecticut. My mom worked in the city. So did my dad. uh, And my aunt worked actually in in the port of my parents. Yep. So, uh, well, your mom worked in Connecticut. Well, she worked in Connecticut at the time, but but she started out working in the city. Uh, But at the time of 9-11, both my parents working in the city. And uh, actually, my dad was supposed to have breakfast with my aunt at the Trade Center that morning um, at the Port Authority. And he overslept, which my dad never oversleep. Like he never did that, but he overslept and he ended up having to drive in because he missed his train. They lived in Connecticut. So it was like an hour and a half drive and he got stuck in traffic and he missed breakfast. By the time he got into the city, uh, shit was already going down. My aunt got called away for an emergency somewhere else, which apparently a lot of Port Authority workers did. You just answered that question like a liberal. I wanted to bring that to your attention really quick. Mm -hmm. I asked you where you were at. I didn't ask you where your dad, your aunt, and your uncle, and your mom's sister's brother's college boyfriend's roommate was. Chill, chill, calm down, okay? There's backstory to this. Um, So I was living in Colorado. I was in just outside of Denver. 
Uh, and when I got up that morning, cause it's three hours behind the East coast. So it was like six o'clock in the morning when it happened. And I, I woke up to seeing the first plane hit the tower. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like I thought it was an accident, like some drunk pilot or something. And then I saw the second plane hit the tower and I was like, oh fuck, knew it wasn't an accident. And I, of course I was immediately trying to call the city, call my parents because I knew that they were both going to be downtown that morning. Um, and I uh, couldn't get through all the, the phone lines were jammed up. Um, I went to work and, and sat in my boss's office for like four hours and just uh, she and I both trying to call numbers, whatever, whoever we could reach just to find out if they were even alive. Um, I did not know that my dad got stuck in traffic and, you know, didn't make it. Um, honestly, didn't care that much about my aunt. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Very cunty thing to say. <laughs> well, it's, it's I, she, she didn't really cross my mind at the time. Um, uh, but my mom was my concern cause she, she worked just two blocks away. So, uh, come to find out that actually when she finally got home that night, she was wearing her shoes, her stockings, cause her feet are really tiny. So no one could fit into her shoes, uh, her shoes, her stockings and her slip. She had given away her clothes. And when it first hit, she got every, basically everybody in her building in her huge office building to get every container they could find and fill it with water, vases, cups, whatever it was, and bring them down to the lobby. And they were just dousing people with water as they were going by. Cause they were covered with soot and, and just nasty, whatever, and, uh, and my mom ended up giving her clothes away. Um, so she came home like pretty close to naked. It was a little crazy. So, uh, I, when I finally got through to them and found out everything was okay, of course it was, you know, it was very emotional, very, we did lose a couple people. Um, my stepdad or my dad flew out to, to visit me uh, about a month later and told me that my first stepdad was in the buildings when they went down. Um, so that he was, he was lost. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so it's such an emotional thing and being from New York, I think a lot of us didn't, we didn't want to dig into it because it's, it, it does bring such a, an emotional connotation. Okay. Well, it. nobody asked you that. Well, yeah. Asked you where you were. Anyway. Well, that's where I was. Where were you? I was at Fort Polk, Louisiana. Yeah. And we were getting ready to deploy um, to go to, actually, I wasn't. I was down there just kind of as a help along because I had already been through the Special Forces Assessment Selection course. And uh, I was about to leave anyway. And I went down just kind of as a helping hand. And we were down there and <clears throat> this OC came running into our tent just a little after 9.30 in the morning going, you fucking stupid New Yorkers can't fly either. You can't, you sure as hell can't drive. And he was setting up a TV and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, a plane hit the World Trade Center. I was like, what? And he brought up the little TV, this tiny little fucking like, we, we keep it in our, in our Humvees. So like when we're watching you retards fucking running around out there, we got something to do because Christ, we're not going to sit there all night and watch it. And, um, he pulled it out and just as he was setting it up and turning it on and we were just getting a signal, we watched the second plane hit the South tower. And I was like, that's no accident. 
and everybody said the same thing. That was not an accident. And immediately my life shifted from, oh shit to holy shit. And, um, soon thereafter, I found myself in an accelerated course in the Q course, um, to where we were flying through shit so that they could put us out there. Uh, I remember the day I got to my first team, they said, Hey, in three days we're deploying. I said, well, where are we going? Oh, we're going to Afghanistan. <laughs> Okie doke. And uh, I found myself on top of a mountain in snow and ice uh, looking for a Navy SEAL who fell out of the back of a helicopter, which led me chasing some other dipshit halfway all the way down another mountain range into another valley. Uh, four days later, when we finally caught up and we were told we weren't allowed to pursue into Pakistan. Yep. So I have, um, my dad lost Admiral Beck, who was on the flight 93. He was a close family friend. He was killed trying to take back that plane. Um, It's a rough subject. We, we all lost being from New York. I think we all lost people in the trade centers or on flight 93 or at the Pentagon that day. So, um, it's a rough subject for it, for us, but it's, it's been a very long time and time heals all wounds. So maybe enough time has passed that we can look at it from a different perspective take the emotion out of it if that's possible so ghost where were you that day i <laughs> that's that's a good question i was four months out of the air force so i was laying in bed and i got a i got a phone call my uh my girlfriend at the time had gone to work and she's like did you turn can you turn on the tv i'm like why what's going on you know i'm all groggy trying to wake up and she's like a plane hit the the World Trade Center. I'm like, what? And kind of like you, Mick, um, I get up, I turn the TV on, and I had turned it on just in time to see the second plane hit. And I was like, oh, fuck, uh, this ain't cool. And immediately, you know, you start calling friends, family. I didn't have anybody personally um, lose their life. Uh, I'm in central Pennsylvania, um, but New York is only two hours away from where I live. Yep. I didn't have anybody personally lose their lives. Uh but it was still tragic. And being fresh out of the military at that time, you know, your your patriotism, your your gung ho, you know, man, is there some way I, I can go back in? I that's what I was about fight. to say. I bet you were chomping at the bit to get back in. I bet you were bugging a recruiter going, hey dude, what the fuck can I do to get back in this fight? What the yeah. fuck? The only thing that was that was kind of stopping me was questions and, and fear in a sense. You know what I mean? Because I went in, I think right around the same time you did, I went air force. I was a weapons loader on the F 16. 95. Um, so I, I went in 96. So, okay. so you're about a year after you. Um, however, uh, during that whole four years that I was in, I got out 
little backstory. The Air Force at that time was getting really politically correct. You and I could be standing off to the side, tell a joke. Someone walks by, they overhear it, they're offended, we're fucked. And I was like, I signed up to uh, protect the, the First Amendment and the Constitution, and you're going to limit my freedom of speech. But that's a whole other story. So anyway, my b- best friend at the time, he was in the Marine Reserve. He got, he got activated. They went down to uh, Camp Lejeune. He never, he never got deployed over. Uh, but it was just a weird circumstance because all of a sudden, everybody was patriotic. Everybody loved to be an American, no matter what skin color, what, what national background you came, you know, everybody was united. Yep. And then fast forward years later, and here we are in this state of decline, but going back to nine 11. Yeah, I was, I was chomping at the bits. I wanted to go load some more motherfucking bombs, missiles, whatever, and not watch them come back, you know, (laughs) go, go burn them. You know, your, you, your prior military, we had, nicknames for for these fuckers nothing nothing like when a plane goes winchester over your head yes and uh yeah so that's where i was and uh, like you said chopping at the bit and hindsight 2020 um kind of glad i didn't just because of the questions that since then i've actually kind of looked into and you know you you put out a disclaimer in the beginning of this and yes i i was right there with you um you know some some terrorist in in a cave bin laden you know we were briefed from the moment i got in you know i spent time in saudi arabia and you always heard his name he was the number one on the the terrorist watch list everything you know what i mean so i knew who this dude was where most people are like who's this bin laden guy i'm like dude we've been briefed on him since i went in in 96 now and i i think it's also important that we um Move directly because you brought it up and I, I, it's outstanding. I'm glad you did it. I think we moved directly to some concessions. All right. Go for it. I will concede that because just using my own thought process behind things and how I think, think about things, I will concede that I believe that there is there was a conspiracy to cover up the fact that the American government knew about a terrorist attack that was going to take place on U.S. soil. However, I will not concede. You cannot convince me that planes did not hit buildings. Oh, no, I nor, believe that the planes hit the buildings. Nor did a plane not hit the Pentagon, because I've got bad news for all of you. I have seen way too much shit to tell me differently. Uh, all right. Well, that we'll, will we'll not be that. conceded. But- However, stop. Anything involving the conspiracy part of it, that I, myself, I have begun to look into. Okay. I am willing to concede that I can. There, there might be more. There might be than more to the story. And I'm not admitted. I'm not arguing that because there are certain, I mean, for instance, how can you believe this is my argument to myself? This is just my own internal argument. <laughs> how can you believe that the American government was so willing to let their people be infected by a disease that will kill a third of the population. Yet you're not willing to concede to the fact that there is a chance that our government knew about this terrorist attack prior to it taking place, whether it's through its own stupidity, its own, um, what's a, its own like boastfulness, just the way that they, just the way we are, we're not, um, 
we don't think that anybody could do that to or us. Hu- our hubris. So. Our hubris. There we go. Mm-hmm. Whether it was our own hubris that let this happen or it was a coordinated effort to ensure because I can't turn a blind eye to the fact that people like Dick Cheney made billions of dollars, billions of dollars in Brown and Root. Kellogg, Brown and Root was everywhere. I was there the first days of the war when we were still living in shelters and we had mud flowing through our tents and every morning you got up, you couldn't put your feet down unless you were putting them into a pair of boots. I I know exactly what those days were like. And I remember everything that was on the boxes around the camp those days. You couldn't walk around the camp and not see a Kellogg Brown and Root box or a Kellogg sponsored by Kellogg Brown and Root sign or somebody else from Kellogg Brown and Root on the ground in Afghanistan. I can tell you right now without a shadow of a doubt. And that also includes Iraq. The first couple of months of the Iraq war, I remember those fuckers going across the border with us. And I was like, who the fuck are you? Oh, well, we're the guys that are going up there. And I was like, who put you there? And we're not watching out for you. Good luck. (laughs) Hope it works out for you, fella. But (laughs) we're not riding with you. You can ride with us if you want, but you better keep up because if you don't, you're going to lose our protection real fast, quick, fast, in a hurry. Like, and I mean, I, I, I'll concede to that. I, I've seen that and I've started to ask my own questions about that. I've started to ask my own questions about other companies that made who stood to make, again, I've always said, follow the money. Who stood to make the most money on 9-11 had anything happened to the Trade Center? You bring up the insurance policies, which is chump change. I found companies that actually stood to make more. Yep. Well, listen, before we before we get deep into this and start playing clips, and, and I appreciate those concessions because it, it, there's a crack in this wall now. I can... I can uh, no, you can't. I, I can wiggle my way into it. But okay. Um, Noel should be joining us here shortly. Uh, I know Ghost watches the show regularly, but I'm, I, I don't think Noel's that familiar with us. So why don't we do our Justin tribute now before Noel joins us? Because I think we'll have a better chance of getting Mick to concede anything if he's high. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a good try, though. But either way, for all the fuckers that showed up on a Sunday afternoon, I hope your Sunday is going as well as ours is. Mine started at about 9.30 this morning, and God bless it. So to all you fuckers that are sitting out there listening to us now. Yeah. Thunder. Thunder. There we go. Thunder. Thunder kicks. Get the fuck out of here. We have now gone 36 hours without heavy rain here. So it draws a little we're, bit. We're hoping right? that I can stop building the ark. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> there's so much water. I literally started building the ark in the backyard. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. So I think my neighbors, if I take any more trees down, then my neighbors are going to be pissed. Ghost, people are asking where they can find you. So why don't you take this opportunity to introduce yourself and tell people where they can find you, follow your show, etc. All right. Yeah. You can find me anywhere you get a podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, Audible, uh, everywhere. Um, my, my podcast is my third eye podcast. I started it, uh, to pry open my third eye, uh, not just uh, cause a lot of people thought, Oh, you're into spiritualism by that. And no, uh, opening your third eye is just trying to find the truth to everything. So you can find me on, um, Instagram as well. It's my third eye podcast. And, I also have uh, another show that will be dropping its first episode on the 22nd of 
September, which is Bizarre Encounters with uh, me and Shane from Inquiries of Our Reality. And that will be on its own RSS feed. Yeah. You can find that any anywhere uh, you get a podcast and, and what have you. And, you know, we get guests on there that, you know, have bizarre encounters, whether it's aliens, cryptid, you know, you, you name it, uh, ghosts, whatever. Shane, Shane was on here last week. And actually, I think mm -hmm. we're going to be uh, coming on Bizarre Encounters pretty soon so that nice. that's be a lot of fun we've had a we've had our own bizarre our own encounter. very bizarre yes. encounters. So <laughs> that, that should be a blast um, well you know that because you listen to us so. yeah so i do i do shit crazy it's all good so and uh yeah i put out i put out about three episodes a week um i'm not i'm not a daily yet uh you know my my full-time job just doesn't allow it but uh mondays i just release wait. uh just wait yeah, it, it'll get there uh, talk at the tavern which is what we record every friday it's a round table that i do uh, it was kind of inspired by matt t's great deceptions monday night masturbators but i wanted to kind of throw it from being a patriot kind of back to the green dragon and you know you get in there and you just talk about whatever you know what i mean whether it's conspiracies or topics of the, of the day and then my regular feed comes out on on wednesdays and then ryan dean and i uh, we record conspiracy in the news, and then I release that on Fridays. So, we take. Uh, I think we're actually going to be on the Friday show. The this, conspiracy in the news. This I, I love listening to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to be on the uh, the Friday show. This, you guys this have actually Friday. confirmed some shit that I thought a long time ago that I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute." Mm -hmm. I, I, really? I, I I listen to your guys' shit all the time. You're one of the few that I listen to. You're on my list of. It's ever rotating, but I have about 14 podcasts I listen to daily. Oh, well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. That that means a lot. And but you guys come yeah. out like you always you put that out on Fridays, right? That's, that comes out. Uh, yes. Unless unless it's a, a touching episode like exactly. the past one, the, the queen died. So I yes. put it out Thursday when I yep. come home. But usually that drops on a Friday. Yes. Yep. And then because Friday I, nights I, I record. Those I know times. that I, I have that on my list of podcasts. It's ever revolving because there's a couple that I skip. Leanna comes on at nine o'clock in the morning. So I get to listen to her right off the bat and it's perfect. And then right after that, I start my normal diatribe of liberal bullshit. And that takes me about a roughly an hour and a half to get through, depending if I'm working or not, or if I'm driving. And then your podcast is like right after that on Friday. And then Bongino is right before I come home. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's nice to be in, in the presence of some heavy hitters. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a blast. I I cover a range of topics uh, on on my normal feed. Uh, I've I've talked to an ex, ex satanic high wizard, Tommy Chong, uh, the guy who recorded the Sierra sounds back in the the late seventies. You know, the everybody hears you know the Bigfoot chatter or whatever, and and you know, no no subjects off the off the table for me. I, I unless I bring you on and find out that okay, you're you're just blatantly telling a bullshit story then it's like okay fuck off you know the one that i want to get into uh bigger than anything and it was probably the last time that fucking the fbi had any um credibility credibility in this country and the one the john dillinger case has always fascinated me. And I know that fucking the uh, Josh Gates just did a whole thing on that. I always wanted to, because like he hit out in so many different places across this country, especially mm -hmm. in the Midwest. Sometimes you could be in the same place that Don, Dill uh, 
John Dillinger was at at any given point if you're driving through the Midwest of this country. And I've always wanted to know more about that. And it's something I, I want to take, I want to get her and the kids and throw them in a, like an RV and just go to all these different places where Dillinger was because there's some fucking nutty shit that he did that is just absolutely there's a chance that you could find the money that you know they're still missing like i want to say it was well back then it was like ten thousand something dollars today it's like a hundred something grand it when it boils over i'm like holy shit on gold silver all sorts of shit that he stole money cash like the old you know uh yes dillinger indiana yes i i saw the one that he did with the uh uh, the car that he stole when he actually broke out of prison the first time and he was actually on the run. Uh, they brought the car, the original car. They found the, uh, the uh, VIN number on the frame and somebody had restored it and turned it back into a police car, but it was not from where it was and the paint job was wrong. So they sent it back to somebody else <coughs> to restore it to the original paint job and the original fabric on the inside of the car. And it was sent back because it was actually the chief's vehicle that he stole. Mm. He stole like the chief of police, police's vehicle out of this little Indiana town and um, shot out of there. And it's just like all of that, that whole story always has intrigued me. And they found like a map. Um, there's so what a, you're saying is you want to go visit Tara. Well, yeah, it goes into that's Indiana, goes Kansas, <laughs> it goes all over up there. <laughs> that, that's funny. She was just on the tavern this past Friday night. Yep. Yeah. She's, she loves talks at tavern um well all right so uh someone that couldn't be here today because he had to go to his nephew's softball game totally lame uh is james from with the people radio minch isn't gonna be here and he was really excited when i told him that we were gonna go a few rounds with you so he was like oh he started sending me shit right left and sideways like that's what, who i was texting until 11 o'clock last night <laughs> I literally fell asleep on the phone with Leanna and Mick was talking to her too. Um, and then like, then James, when Mick woke me up, sorry, Leanna, by the way, um, <laughs> if I was snoring <laughs> and then when Mick woke me up to go to bed, uh, James started texting me and he's like sending me all this, this stuff. So, so he, uh, he was like, well, are you familiar with Bill Cooper? And I said, yeah, Alex Jones is nemesis. And he's, he was like, no, and he's calling <laughs> Alex Jones out as a shill. I know I was just fucking with him. But anyway, uh, he sent me this clip and this is from June 28th, 2001. So James is here in spirit on, on our side, uh, not your side, babe. Sorry. Just saying. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. So check this out, y'all. He wrote a good Can book. Can you believe what you have been seeing on CNN today, ladies and gentlemen? Can you believe it? <laughs> Supposedly, a CNN reporter found Osama bin Laden, took a television camera crew with him, went into Osama bin Laden's hideout, interviewed him and his top leadership, his top lieutenants and colonels and generals in their hideout. This is a CNN reporter with a camera crew. And he came out and told everybody, within three weeks, Osama bin Laden is going to attack the United States and Israel. Now, don't you think that's kind of strange, folks? You see, because the largest intelligence apparatus in the world with the biggest budget in the history of the world has been looking for Osama bin Laden for years and years and years 
and can't find him. The FBI also, under the leadership of Louis Free, has been looking for Osama bin Laden for years and years and years and years and years and many years and can't find him. Some doofus jerk-off reporter with a camera crew waltzes right into his hideout and interviews him. And you know what his budget is? <laughs> Zip, zilch, nothing. Now, that tells us two things. Either everyone in the intelligence community and all of the intelligence agencies of the United States government are blithering idiots and incompetent fools, including the entire apparatus of the FBI and all of their personnel, are they lying to us. They're not looking for him at all. And the second is the truth. You see, the CIA created Osama bin Laden. They recruited him. They trained him. They found his leadership. They brought them all together. They showed him them how to fight the Soviet Union in Afghanistan. And when that was over, they still continued to fund him and train him. And they're now using him to help bring about world government by making him the big boogeyman because they can't use Saddam Hussein anymore. Because they needed a new boogeyman. A reporter from CNN and his little camera crew got in to Osama bin Laden's secret hideout. And conducted an interview. If you don't believe me, tune in to CNN. They're probably running it right now as I'm speaking. And if you believe it, you are one of the stupidest jerks that ever lived on the face of this earth. And whatever is going to happen that they're going to blame on Osama bin Laden, don't you even believe it. So Bill was shot was under, by undercover cops at midnight and left to die on his front yard without receiving medical treatment. November 6th. 2001. Okay. Outstanding. Yeah. Do you have anything further to add to that? Oh, I've got lots more okay. to add no, to no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Out of that exact video, can I now offer a counter argument? Go for it. Or maybe what really happened? Yeah, go for it. Let's go with this because, mm -hmm. you know, although his circumstances and his death sound like killery all over it. Uh-huh. And I will be the first to admit that. That really is throws a wrench in any argument I can even offer that would be counter to what he said. However, the only thing I can provide is truth and fact um, about what he said because he didn't understand the rest of what really took place there because that was done before the rest of really what took place there was found out by the rest of us. Okay. So go ahead. Elaborate. So understand these individuals went into a specific area of the country. All right. When they walked into that specific area of the country, they ditched their security that they were given by their company. The cameraman and the reporter both ditched security. 
on the street. They let it known. They got another hotel room. They let it known that they were reporters with CNN with no security and were looking to talk with Osama bin Laden. Was this Afghanistan or Pakistan? This was in Pakistan. Where the U.S. government or the U.S. military is not allowed. Correct. Okay. They, it was really funny because this goes back to something else. I don't believe in coincidences. Mm -hmm. This took place in early, very, very early. Well, no, it was late. I guess it was late 2000. It was almost middle of 2002. No, it's so, 2001. It or, was, yeah, it was, it was this, pre-2001. This was, it was December 2001. This came out in June of 2001. So it was weird because where this took place happened to be uh, Islamabad. Okay. Where they were letting people know, look, how Islamabad became part of this conversation at that point unknown. I don't even think the United States was looking into Islamabad. Because IGI was, which is Pakistani intelligence, they were all fucking set for helping the U.S. Now, with that, after that, they were picked up and they were taken to a remote location where they had bags over their head the whole way there. They were then taken from that location on horseback and they said they rode for over eight hours. Mm -hmm. Eight hours on horseback is roughly another 250 miles outside of that. They could have been absolutely anywhere. They could have been Afghanistan. They could have been in Pakistan. Who the fuck knows where they were at? They were in some cave complex in the middle of the mountains. So let's put it this way. This narrows us back to a little, little hilltop I like to call Tora Bora. If you've never heard of the story of Tora Bora, I beg of you to go read Dalton Fury's book, Tora Bora. You might hear about some exploits that were done of ours on, on Tora Bora specifically. This was a. You really think that 9 11 was planned by, as someone put it in here last night, some goat fuckers in the mountain <laughs> in the middle of nowhere? Glad you said it. <laughs> yes. But I, I can't see. This is the problem with my argument because I can't tell you why. <laughs> can, can I ask you a question, Mick? Please go ahead. Uh, why did the Bush family have uh, dinner a couple nights before nine eleven with the Bin Laden family? Great question. I they like were I said, they were the conspiracy partners. part of it. I, I I'm not off to the conspiracy part. Right? Is there an uh, is there more evidence pointing to the fact that the U.S. government knew of a plan to create an attack on U.S. soil? There, there, and there's, and it goes back to my argument internally with myself, which is the argument is if you believe that right now there's more than one thing going on here and they're coordinated, yet. Everybody else is willing to disprove and say, no, there's no coordination here. Bullshit. And you're saying there is coordination there. You can see it. Yet you're not willing to accept that there was some coordination on our part that allowed this attack to happen on U.S. soil. I am completely convinced that 
there was a conspiracy to cover up the fact that the government knew of an attack that was going to take place on U.S. soil on 9-11. And I want to get you to the point where you believe that the government helped plan it, that they were in on the conspiracy, not just to cover it up, but from the beginning. Let me ask you some questions real quick. Do you believe that we landed on the moon? No. Do you believe that Princess Diana was killed in a random car accident being chased by paparazzi? No, because I've seen the video where she was shot directly through the skull. Oh, there you go. Uh, do you believe that JFK was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald? Fuck no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've <laughs> never believed that. Do you believe the Challenger exploded in a in a random accident? It wasn't random. Oh, okay. Um, and yet you believe that some goat fuckers in the mountains planned and executed 9-11 without the help of the U.S. government? What if all of the people, the same people that were behind all of the other things that, that I just asked you about were also behind this? You're wrong because it wasn't without. It was with unwittingly to them. Mm. And okay. I would believe you that the United States government 100% and fully supported or somehow took care of or, or orchestrated this attack on our own people. However, I'm always drawn back to, was it June 12th, 2001? No, sorry, it wasn't June 12th. It was May 12th, 2001. To Ronnie Papadilio, who's the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol agent, who stopped 14 and 15, or well, was it 16 and 17? I don't know. The, the last two from entering the country. Because he wasn't in on it. So he couldn't get paid off. I, again. They, they got in the wrong line. Again, and, but he's been heralded as a hero. Well, yeah, because the media had to spin their narrative the right way. Okay, so speaking of the media spinning their narrative, because this, the reason, the reason I thought there is, uh, hold on one second, the reason I thought that maybe that Mick was ready for this was because he he watched or he listened to the Tinfoil Hat episode with Charlie Robinson the other day. And, uh, and he's, Charlie had a lot of great information, both about what happened before and, and after. And I was like, well, what about Building 7? Did he bring up the Farsight Institute? Yeah. And I have not listened to the episode, so please, by all means, elaborate. Uh, <clears throat> I listened to Charlie's feed, uh, but the Farsight Institute goes into uh, what they call remote viewing. And they took certain people. They did not tell them what they were remote viewing at all they they completely left 9-11 off the table nope not not going to do it and all these people came back and had re different views of circumstances that went down that day on 9-11 including everyone drawing D donald rumsfeld to a t uh the I guess teams going in, maybe planting explosives. Now it couldn't, obviously can't be done overnight. Uh, and, and what have you now does remote viewing work? Hey, there's woo woo behind that, but MK ultra looked into it. 
you know, it must be a thing if, the, you know, the mind is a very powerful machine that we're purposely told we can't use. Now, I will push back a little bit and say every major war has been started over a false flag, including, including, because I, I brought this up to you, VLIN, um, the Gulf of Tonkin, Jim Morrison's dad got us into Vietnam. Oklahoma City bombing. That guy that, that blew the whistle on see, 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 seeing see. everything explode. Oh, whoa, whoa, time out. 11, hold on, 11 cuts no. on each wrist. I, I can't sit jugular no, split. I can't. Shot I'm, in the back of the head, carried over a, a barbed wire fence, but committed suicide. I can't on this one because hey. Golf of Tonkin, all right? Golf of no, it was not Golf of Tonkin. Sorry. That got I, us into Vietnam? No, no, it wasn't. It, it's exactly what happened on November 28th, fucking 1963, or November 22nd, not, 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 JFK's assassination was yes. exactly what got us into golf, into, into fucking, because Lyndon B. Johnson said the day after JFK was dead and he was president, he signed the first executive order putting fucking U.S. troops on the ground in Vietnam. That was it. That was all downhill. And he was already paid off because guess who he's a sub shareholder in? <laughs> go figure the whole fucking Johnson family is all over Kellogg Brown and root, which has been all over the U S government forever, just fucking it for whatever it's got. So you just Sorry. proved the point of every false flag creates. Correct. I, I, and, and nine 11 is one of the biggest false flags we've ever had. I, Next I'm to Pearl Harbor. I, I was okay. about to say Pearl Harbor. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that was pretty bad. Yeah. La well, that time though we these elite know, scumbags, we, these parasites don't we have care about our up. Yeah, every time they gotta step it up, they have to step it up a notch from fucking Pearl Harbor, they killed fucking how many soldiers? And and nine eleven sailors, soldiers, whatever civilians. And how many civilians because they, they were like, Well, that was only soldiers, and look at the look at what we got back. Now they've stepped and it up. And now they're again. like, Yeah, we'll just do it with civilians. What's the next one? How do we go up another we're, one? We're already there and kill you know, kids. We're already there, right? Because, uh, uh, and, and sorry, I hate to do this, but I have to. You know, this morning I'm watching that all the tributes to 9-11, it's all over the news. I'm like, oh, look, it's the only thing that's going to supersede the queen. Nope, nope, we're back to the queen. Okay, anyway, um, but I, I'm like, okay, and and I get it. Again, 9-11 was really emotional for, especially for us growing up there and, and having people that we lost there, or almost lost there, and and that terror that we felt not being able to contact our loved ones and find out if they were dead or alive and, you know, what was going on for the longest time. Um, and 3,000 is a big number. How many people have we lost to the jab so far? Yeah. And nobody's even blinked an eye. Millions. Literally millions and no one's blinked an eye. So they just cover that up. So you want to know how they stepped it up? They're already there. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, and from another false flag, but this one was COVID just in order to bring the jabs in. So well, you, anyway, you brought up building seven that was I taken did. down. Uh, what's more important to these elite parasites money in our lives? Money, money, money. What went missing a day before come out? Two point three trillion dollars. And it yeah. just happened that the accounting part of the Pentagon, yeah, quote unquote, got a plane flown into it. So, um, 
And BBC, and I told Mike about this, I'm like, what about the reporter, the reporters, two different newscasts that reported on Building 7 collapsing before it actually collapsed? And he said, what are you talking about? So, of course, mm -hmm. I had to go dig it up. So, go ahead and, and play this. You go ahead. Okay. It's your fucking intervention. I'll, I'm not, I'll I'm, take, I'll I'm sitting back mouth. saying, fuck that. News. Now, more on the latest building collapse in New York. You might have heard a few moments ago, I was talking about the Salomon Brothers building collapsing. And indeed it has. Apparently that's only a few hundred yards away from where the World Trade Center towers were. And it seems that this was not a result of a new attack. It was because the uh, building had been weakened uh, during this morning's attacks. We'll probably find out more now about that from our correspondent, Jane Stanley. Jane, what more can you tell us about the Salomon Brothers building and its collapse? Well, only really what you already know. Details are very, very sketchy. There's almost a sense downtown in uh, New York behind me, down by the World Trade Centers, of uh, just an area completely closed off as the rescue workers try to do their job. But this isn't the first building that um, has suffered as a result. We know that part of the Marriott Hotel next to the World Trade Center also collapsed as a result of this huge amount of falling debris from 110 floors of two, the two twin towers of the World Trade Center. As you can see behind me, the uh, Trade Center appears to be still burning. We see these. That's building seven where that arrow is pointing right there. The Solomon building. Huge clouds of smoke and ash. And we know that behind that, there's an empty piece of what was a very familiar New York skyline, a symbol of the financial prosperity of this city, but uh, completely disappeared now. And New York is still unable to take on board what has happened to them today. Presumably, there were very few people in the Salomon building when it collapsed. I mean, there were, I suppose, fears of possible further collapses around the area. That's what you would hope, because this whole downtown area behind me has been completely sealed off and evacuated, apart from the emergency workers. That was done by the mayor, Rudy Giuliani, uh, much earlier today, uh, because of, the course, the dreadful collapse of the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center. But uh, New York, very much a city still in chaos. The phones are not working properly. The subway lines are not working properly. And we know that down there near the World Trade Center, there are three schools that um, are being turned into triage centers for emergency treatment. And I know that over in New York Harbor, where the famous Statue of Liberty is, there's a field hospital where 1,500 people are being treated. And we have heard that it's unconfirmed as yet that 100 New York City police officers have been taken there as well for treatment. But we do need to confirm uh, those figures for the officers. It's now, what, some eight hours since the attacks. Is there any estimate yet available of the number of casualties in the World Trade Center? I think we can only go at this point with the words expressed by the mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, that it's too frightening to think how many there could be. We know that uh, it's about almost 300 people on the airliners that were used in these attacks. But you've got to remember, this was nine o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday morning. It's busy in downtown Manhattan in the financial district then. The World Trade Center itself has 50,000 workers. There are tens of thousands of tourists who go up there every day. The figures are 
almost too frightening to to contemplate. You can understand why nobody yet wants to put a okay, figure on Okay, fast forward this just a little bit to keep going, keep going. Right, you still see it, um, and actually, it keep going because it gets to after her newscast. It plays some. Uh, all right, yeah, go back just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Play from there. I was wondering what it's felt like for you being in Manhattan. Well, unfortunately, I think we've lost the line with uh, Jane Stanley in Manhattan. Perhaps we can rejoin her and follow that up later. Across America, citizens are trying to come to grips with the enormity of what has happened. Okay, so approximately five minutes after Jane Stanley's feed, video feed cuts out, five minutes later, and she was talking for a good five minutes, seven minutes there, that's building seven collapsing in seven seconds. So 21.54 is 9.54 British summertime, which is five hours later than it was in New York. BBC News 24 is broadcasting this at 4.54 p.m. The Solomon Brothers building Intense collapsed at 5.20. And long term. Uh, Mr. Lieber, again, again, as you're talking, news is continuing to come in, as, as you can imagine. We're now being told that yet another enormous building in New York has collapsed. It is the 47-story Salomon Brothers building which was situated very close to the World Trade Center, right there in this financial capital. Um, Professor Lieber, the, the implications of what you were saying is... Approximately 25 minutes after that broadcast, Building 7 came down. Again, what you're seeing are high shots. Now, here we're going to show you a videotape of the collapse itself. Describe that. Now we go to videotape the collapse of this building. It's amazing. A, a amazing, incredible, pick your word. For the third time today, it's reminiscent of those pictures we've all seen too much on television before when a building was deliberately destroyed, destroyed by well-placed dynamite to knock it down. So from your perspective, babe, taking the emotion out of it, looking at building seven. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hold on. There we go. Okay. What did that look like to you? Did that look oh, like a building God. that right. collapsed from office see, I, I was, fires? I was, I, they said it was office fires. Did you see any flames coming out of the windows of the building from office fires? I, I was I was hoping, 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 hoping not to get to this point right now. But apparently, um, how do they how do they announce it thirty minutes before it happens? You want to uh, get there? Fine. We're going to get there. I'm going to bore the shit out of everyone. I can't wait. Uh, for the first time that I think we've been on the air, we've been told that we've been educational over and over and over again. Well, we're about to get some education going on right here. So hold on to your fucking seats, folks, because <clears throat> I'm about to shit can your 
building seven theory. There's no way that planes hit the World Trade Center. Forget the fact I that we've watched I never said videos that. of I it. Never said Stand that. by, zip, zip. You are done. I have kept my mouth fucking shut. I have sat here. I have listened. Uh-huh. I have accepted what I can accept. Okay. However, I too have done my own opposition research okay. on other things I found in hopes to disprove myself a positive that could be used in light of a, another narrative. So I digress. I start first with the National Sciences Academy. They published a document it was called Fahrenheit 27777. So 2777, 9-11 has generated one of the mother loads of all conspiracy theories. Now, realizing that the American Sciences Academy is a huge fucking liberal source for any sort of information you want to get, I did a little research on the person who wrote this and the people he brought into this piece. Some of that research included finding out that this guy has actually written very fairly about a lot of different things in the past. And the two scientists that he brought in were physics, um, metallurgical, physical analysis specialists that they brought in to prove this gentleman's theory. And I have to tell you, there's science that backs all this up. That's why it's more than a, a fact. Anyway, in fact, if you type the words World Trade Center and conspiracy into Google, you'll get more than 250,000 hits. From these sites, you'll discover that some people think the Pentagon was hit by a missile and that the Air Force jets were ordered to stand down not to inter, uh, intercept flights 11 and 175, the ones that struck the Twin Towers. The towers themselves were raised uh, in raised by demolition explosives time to go off at the time of the impact of the planes. Yet the mysterious white jets shot down by flight 93 over Pennsylvania um, and the New York Jews were ordered to stay home by the Zionists by pro-Israeli factions, of course, were involved. Books uh, also abound, including uh, the Inside Job by Jim Mars, The New Pearl Harbor by David Ray Griffin and 9-11, The Great Illusion by George Humphrey. The single best debunking of this conspiratorial uh, cod swallop of, is the March issue of Popular Mechanics, which is an ex exhaustive point-by-point -point analysis of the prevalent claims. The mistaken belief that a handful of unexplained anomaly, anom, anom, I can't even say it. Anomaly. anomalies can undermine a well-established theory lies at the heart of any conspiratorial thinking, as well as the creative criticism of the Holocaust denials and the various crank theories of physics. All the evidence for 9-11 conspiracy falls under the rubric of fallacy. Such notions are easily refuted and nothing scientific, nothing in scientific theories are, are not built on single facts alone, but the convergence of evidence assembled from multiple lines of inquiry. Man, that sounds awfully like COVID vaccine deniers, doesn't it? For example, According to the www.911research.wtc.7.net, comma steel melts at a temperature of 2,777 degrees Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. but jet fuel only burns at 1,517 degrees Fahrenheit. 
No melted steel, no collapse of the towers. The planes did not bring the town the towers. The bombs did, says the www.abovetopsecret.com. Wrong. And in the article of the Journal in Minerals and Metals and Material Sciences, subsequent interviewers of Thomas Egger, he's four times known, world-renowned fucking, this guy is out there. Mm-hmm. He's probably like the guy that looks at metal. He can see like the particles that make up metal. That's okay. how out here there this guy is. Sure. An engineering professor at the Ma- Massachusetts Institute of Technology explains why. Steel loses 50% of its tensile strength at 1,200 degrees. Mm -hmm. Now, resulting temperatures in the direct floors of collision with the plane alone, just the 35 floors that they say the plane actually affected. So if you take your fingers and you spread it out, you go diagonally across 35 floors in the World Trade Center. It melted the metal in the middle of the building, when that no longer could control the descent of every floor above it, the whole building fell down on top of itself. Okay, but that doesn't explain Which, Building 7 eight hours later. It absolutely does. Building 7, again, now we get boring. I apologize, folks. I have to do this to you, but I do. Give me one second. I got to go to a different view here so that everybody can see it. I might. Boom. This is going to seem really fucking boring. However, and I apologize. I got to do this. Um, shit. I got to figure out how to. Mute the audio on this because I don't want to listen to what this douchebag's got to say. I'm going to explain it to you all. This IFSTA, if you're wondering, this is the Institute of Fire Sciences um, and Traditional Academy that we all go through if you go to become a firefighter. This is a course you have to take. This is a required (coughs) course you have to take. (coughs) This is extremely important. For a number of reasons. Obviously, you fight fire inside structures. Structures change. You have to understand why do we know that we can go in between these two parts and how do you know that you can directly cut a hole there? Okay. Does this explain how the BBC reported on it collapsing 30 minutes before it happened? No. Okay. This explains something else because I I can't explain that. Okay. I don't know what the fuck is with that. Just checking. However, this does explain its collapse. Okay. So- one more time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fast forward through a bunch of this shit. So that way I can just get you to the big parts. So this is just how we learn it, why we learn it. Basically the big, um, okay. So let me get back here real quick. Okay. So understanding this, this is what helps firefighters do their job. It helps us judge safety. Because depending on how tall the high rise is, depends on how big of an area at the bottom that we clear out. Because if that bitch is going to collapse and it's going to come down, now understand, those two buildings alone sat on almost, was it, what did we finally discover that it was four, four and a half miles of property is what roughly they covered, was the landmass that they covered in downtown? 
something like that. So it was like four and a half miles around the whole structure of the complex, everything. Mm -hmm. I'm talking towers one and two, building seven, building six, building five, building three, all fell within the perimeter of the structure. The only ones that didn't were building four and what was it? Eight. Building four and eight were off premises. Those are the only two that were off the actual footprint of the World Trade Center. Would you predispose that for me, right? We, yeah. we, we will yeah. concede yeah. that. Would you concede yeah. that, all sir? The, all the damages had built, had, all the buildings had damages. Yeah. Would, would you concede that, sir? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, yeah. I have a few so, questions, though, but yes. Yeah, me too. But I, we'll keep going. Judging the safety, we, it, the, the down drop is always worse. There's reasons for that. We'll get to that in just a short second. So as you look, it talks about select the right type of vertical ventilation, blah, 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 escape techniques, whatever. This is how firefighters survive. So all of the factors that we look at, age of the building, construction materials. What the hell is this? Fuck you. Um, roof type, renovations, modifications, dead loads. All right. This is the big one, dead loads. So- if you think about what a live load is, a live load is constantly changing. Like it's humans going in and out and so on and so forth. They're going, you know, people going in and out, the load constantly changing. That's what's considered a live load. A dead load would be like your air conditioners, your heaters, your furniture, everything that you move into that building is considered a dead load. Um, an elevator is considered a live load in the elevator itself. That's the only part of it. The structure itself that the elevator is contained in is considered a dead load on the building. And considering the World Trade Center had, I think it was 37 different elevators, that's uh, that's a lot of dead load in that uh, building. But we'll get to that in a minute. Number of stories, windows, and others. Because windows are a problem because it adds to problems with structural integrity. Well, Mick, structural integrity. Whatever do you mean by structural integrity? Well, we're going to get to that right now. Give me one second. Back out of here. Because, you know, that was one of my biggest problems with it. And nobody could seem to understand. Everybody that I talked to told me, Mick, the World Trade Center was made out of concrete. No, no, the World Trade Center was not made out of concrete. I don't know where we got this idea that the World Trade Center was made out of concrete. But wasn't it? made to withstand a hit from a plane? Yes. From a DC-9. The World Trade Center was hit with a fully loaded 747 flying full speed. Okay. A DC-9 is like throwing a, a, a Volkswagen at the building in comparison. So check this out. This was interesting. This is really interesting because this goes into some of the more design features of the building, which I thought was kind of keen to the argument. Each tower is made up of 236 steel columns. They stand just 26 inches apart around the perimeter. More than 43,000 windows complete the outer skin. Inside, steel plates stretch across the void, topped with nearly a million tons of concrete to create 110 floors. The North Tower is crowned with a final feature, a 360-foot communications mast. Now they have a new task, to make this outer skin strong enough to support the weight of the tower. 
the Twin Towers external skin goes up first. 59 steel columns per side, each just 14 inches wide. They bear most of the tower's weight. In the center of each tower sits a core of 47 steel columns to give the tower extra rigidity. Thin steel plates 60 feet wide bridge the gap, connecting the inner and outer columns, anchoring the entire structure together and creating the vast open floor plans. It's a futuristic lightweight structure. In the Empire State Building, elevators occupy almost three-tenths of the building's floor area. If engineers follow a similar design, the Twin Towers would lose vital floor space. The taller a building is, the more elevators it needs to service it. But the shafts take up valuable floor space. The subway system in New York provides inspiration, where local trains stop at every station and express ones fast-track to key hubs. So engineers add two sky lobbies to the Twin Towers. These are special floors where people can switch from a large-capacity express elevator to a local one. So multiple elevators can share the same shaft, increasing the usable floor space. When engineers design the Twin Towers, they protect against a crash from the largest aircraft at the time, a Boeing 707. But the hijacked aircraft are much larger Boeing 767s, carrying 20,000 gallons of kerosene. This jet fuel pours down through the 12 miles of elevator shafts onto other floors, spreading like wildfire. Inside the towers, there are thousands of tons of office furnishings, many of them highly flammable, so the fire spreads unusually quickly. Firefighters soon realized that there was no control in this blaze. And from then on, it was concentrating on not saving the building, but on risk. Can we go, go ahead and agree right now that right up to this point, everything that we've been talking about, that like everything we can concede that this point is accurate? It, it's a possibility. Okay. So, and there's a reason why I want to stop it right here because I'm going to come back to it. We're going to watch a little bit more of this in a minute, but I want to get back to where we were over here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So back to this part. So all of this stuff, all dead loads, we're going to go back to dead loads real quick. Okay. Dead loads. Remember we talked about dead loads. Said that dead loads are office furniture, air conditioners. How many air, air handling units do you think existed in the world trade center? Just as a spitball. I have no idea. Roughly. No idea. 3,474. Okay. Okay. Each one of those air handling units were 15 tons in size. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's 15 tons in 37 different positions on within the World Trade Center to handle the air conditioning within those floors. Okay. Just given a, a round estimate to weight, just general weight within the building alone. Okay. And the fact that it was only rated to a 707, which is the same size as a DC-9, so I wasn't wrong. But it was a 707 to be accurate. So it was designed for the max thrust and weight of a 707. It was hit by a plane twice that size with twice the thrust behind it. 
Okay. Just throwing that out there because I want to remain accurate and I want to remain as true to the facts that we know them as they are. Okay. Cause the last thing we know, according to the, the black boxes that were recovered and the two that were analyzed, the fucking planes were both at max velocity when they hit, struck the towers, they were fully, they were maxed out. The plane couldn't go any faster. So let's, I, I just want to make sure that we are clear on the details because that is very important. The speed and the thrust in which it hit the building. Did and, you actually see, did you personally see the reports from black boxes? I saw what's media. reported within the government reports that followed 9-11. Okay. Okay. And I'm going off of that because so far nobody's been able to dispute that. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get to that, but okay. So. That being said, we look at all of this shit as firefighters. We're retards, I know, but that's what we look at. Now, things that make you aware of conditions in a building. This is very, very important. Conditions that make buildings susceptible to collapse as per what contributes to spread and the intensity of the fire. Now, if you combine everything that took place on that day, you had a plane twice the size of what was it was designed to withstand, and a plane twice that size with twice the amount of fuel fully loaded because you got to remember these were all westbound flights flying to California early morning westbound flights flying to California they got on both they hijacked them and they dropped them so they didn't really use up all that much fuel is what I'm getting at now um, so Leo Slayer is saying that all the fuel vaporized on impact and burned up almost immediately I don't, I don't believe it would have fuel that that type of fuel does not burn like that. Number one, I say, no, that is wrong. And the reason I say that is wrong. And this is the greatest part. You ready for this one? Hmm. Why do fucking firefighters on airports fight fires with foam? What happens if that fuel is water is introduced to that fuel while it's burning? Hmm. It spreads. It's the worst thing. How much water do you think we're sitting in standpipes? in the World Trade Center, which I was going to get into in just a minute here. How much water? Just an estimate. Just give me an estimate. Tens of thousands of gallons. <laughs> 1.47 million gallons of water were in standpipes located throughout the World Trade Center. Okay? Meant to only go off if the pipe is ruptured or the freaking, or it burns so hot that it pops. Um, on the first floor, they had pop, they found pop sprinklers heads that had popped due to flame impingement. Doesn't thermite burn the same way? Gasoline does too, especially when it's pushed. Okay. Just, so just saying. I'm just That's saying right. it had tons of water in that motherfucker that mm -hmm. that also contributed to load. And a lot of people are like, what do you mean? I'll show you. So anyway, conditions that make the building suitable to collapse, obviously two planes hitting the buildings didn't help it. Um, the fire alone, uh, there is a very good chance, and I'll get to why in just a minute. Um, and then on top of that, think about the number of floors and where it hit at. They didn't hit like, I would say the first pilot was more accurate than the second pilot. I think something happened on the second plane just prior to impact. I think there was a chance that some of the passengers kind of revolted because if you watch the plane, it was as it was flying towards the building, it almost kind of peeled back away from the building 
as if somebody had gotten their hands on the stick. It just couldn't stop the plane in its forward motion. And it almost hit the building broadside. So uh, I, I've, I've seen different takes on that. I've heard different people talk about it. Um, all of these things all add to, and the intensity, obviously, of the fire, that also is a big problem. Um, that Those are all issues. So obviously factors within the fire, like I said, fuel load, furnishings, roof coverings, large open spaces, all existed within the Twin Towers. They would be considered uh, what we used to call a building. They're a half a one and partially a two in building construction because you have your primary building constructions. You have five basic uh, starting with the one, which is just your basic general concrete structure. You have a metal structure on top of that. If you think about the World Trade Center, it was metal coated in concrete on the first 144 floor or 120 floors or something like that, 100 floors. And then above that, it's just straight metal. Everything else is metal. I, I remember uh, we had friends that used to complain about being up in that motherfucker. They said it was cold in the summertime when it was like blazing hot outside. But the thing was such a uh, a reactor that the the cold air went up high and it was drawn back down throughout the building told me that floors connected through large open spaces. Obviously that's a big, big thing for fire to grow. Uh, type of construction, um, trust. Now this is a big part. This is huge because there was trust construction within the building. You saw it as it was being built. They showed you the little 3d diagram, like, Hey, this is what it was constructed of originally. And there's a lot of trust construction in there. Well, the bad thing about trust construction, most of your houses are built on based on trust construction, is it distributes the weight to the two ends of the house. It always distributes it outside the house. So all your outer walls in your house are your load-bearing walls. Same in any normal trust construction. <laughs> well, that's comical because so was the World Trade Center. Straight trust construction. So all of the weight was on the, the main source of the weight was on the outer part of the walls which was interesting because they still had the the dick finger in there for the first 60 floors so that the building can sway, which I always thought was weird. But then I found out where the planes hit. The dick finger wouldn't have mattered. Because it kind of went through the side. Exactly. Yeah. And the floors that it hit at, the dick finger, that's like three quarters of the way down the dick finger. And if you're not, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not a New Yorker, but there's essentially there's, they built a rod in the center of the World Trade Center. And it went up the first, I think it's 85 or 86 floors. And at the tip of it, basically what it did was if the earth shifted, the building could sway like more than the allowable. That's why when you go up in these buildings, when you were way up there, you could feel the, when you heard, your mom, I'll get to that. She, she, she talks about it all the time with her mom and they were up there in the building dancing with the building because when you're up that high, you can feel the building being moved just by the wind alone. It happens in Mexico a lot. A lot. Yeah. So this is trust construction. I'm just bringing, educating everybody, making sure that we're all in the same sheet of music. And that's exactly just happens to be um, factors that um, influence structural collapse. Obviously, fire is a big one. It is the biggest. Uh, and this is getting there. Hold on. I fucking skipped through it. Shit. Oh, where the hell did it go? Come on. There we go. All right. So factors to be considered uh, when 
determining collapses potential renovations additions age of the structure weather loads type of construction okay uh when the buildings initially came down the first uh they collapsed down to the first i think it's uh the first 74 floors were the last standing uh with all of the initial load on top of it they held out for another uh if i remember correctly i think it was like six hours after that there was the second collapse that took place which crushed down the next 70 something floors and that was just of tower one when tower two came down tower two came down to i want to say um i think they came down to 30 something they hit like the 32nd floor and tower two stopped uh tony animal black smoke signifies a dirty fire um that lots of plastic materials um non-organic materials correct from black smoke and brown brown chalky real shitty smoke churning smoke that means it's burning it's uh free it's free burning at that point but anyway um this all kind of applies because you have to think about the buildings uh themselves spark the overall on it leave them alone um, and we move forward past that. So structural collapse can occur with little or no warning. Indicators start to appear when the collapse is intimate and personnel must withdraw from the structures and out of the collapse zone. Collapse zone. Here we get to that magical little word. Now, that is a collapse zone. That is your standard collapse zone for a standard structure. So it's one and a half times the height of the structure. Why do we back our engines and our, all of our fire gear one and a half times back from the structure? Um, it, don't they normally fall over sideways? No, hmm. they do not. No. Nope. Okay. So the debris field coming out. Correct. Now the debris field, when you have a building pancake itself floor after floor with 500 or 500 plus so tons of debris above it that are going to pancake on top of it, as it collapses, the debris field below stretches out. So if you take that into account and you take the height of the World Trade Center, both towers, and you drop both with both having a debris field of sort, mm -hmm. the whole area, actually the block across the street, the first row of buildings are all within that debris field. Okay. So you're saying that would cause building seven to collapse Absolutely. in on itself, oh. like a controlled demolition Hold on. in seven stop, stop, seconds. Stop, 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 stop. And Stand the by. BBC was reporting on it 25 minutes beforehand. No. That doesn't Describe. And building seven was uh, why? how many hundred two yards away? Uh, it was Hold like on. 600 yards away. That I think. doesn't yeah. describe why the BBC was talking and about Fox that News at too. all. I have another one. Yeah. However, it does describe exactly some other parts of the argument over whether or not planes hit the World Trade Center or not. Good people inside. At exactly 9.59 a.m., almost two hours after the first collision, the South Tower collapses in just 10 seconds. Stop right there. Yeah. What did you see? Fire. Did you see explosions? I didn't see any explosions. That is exactly at the point in which this the, the South Tower fucking dropped. Mm -hmm. That is exactly at the point. The South Tower was hit after the North Tower. 
The South Tower went down first. Okay. After the North Tower. Did you see how much further down on the South Tower in which the South yeah, Tower was hit? That still doesn't explain Building 7 or the news reporting it, on it 25 minutes beforehand. Stop. And how, the fact that it started to collapse below the impact zone first. True. Half an hour later, the North Tower goes down too. More than 2,000 people are still inside the buildings. It was impossible, I think, for anyone, engineer, tourist, New Yorker, to imagine that these towers could possibly come down. After standing strong for nearly two hours, what ultimately causes the towers to collapse? The Twin Towers all-steel structure is exceptionally strong but its innovative design hides potential weaknesses. At the base of each tower, the steel columns are four inches thick to bear the weight of the building above. But near the top, these columns are only a quarter of an inch thick. To protect the steel from fire, engineers coat it in a fireproofing spray. But this protective layer is thin and easily dislodged. Could this be the downfall of these iconic buildings? Structural engineer Adrian Bruger investigates if the fire could be the cause of the collapse. The ensuing fire raged inside the building. The impact caused massive swaths of windows to be torn out and this extra damage created winds that are actually fanning the flames. Although the fireproof coating can withstand the flames, the impact of the aircraft leaves it compromised. The aircraft entered the building between 400 and 550 miles per hour and the impact lasted only 0.7 seconds. And of course, during that impact, we actually had all of that fireproofing stripped Adrian's team investigates how fire affects steel that has been stripped of its fireproofing. His team uses floor beams identical to those from the Twin Towers. They load them with 1.4 tons of weight to simulate the weight of each floor of the tower. They prepare to heat up the steel beam. We will apply heat by simulating a fire. The temperature of the fire climbs to 1800 degrees Fahrenheit equivalent to that inside the towers. Now we're heating up the beam with uh, flamethrowers, and you can see the temperature is going up on our infrared camera. We're reaching about 500 degrees Celsius, so that's 800 degrees Fahrenheit. At 800 degrees Fahrenheit, the trusses hold strong, but then they start to show signs of weakness. Now we see it, a cherry red spot on the beam that's indicative of about a temperature of 750 Celsius, which is equivalent to 1300 Fahrenheit. The beam is actually deflecting significantly. The steel beam gives way after just 11 minutes at 1300 degrees. Okay, this is extremely important because this brings us back so I can tidy this up as best I can right here so <clears throat> 50 
Steel loses 50% of its strength at 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit, according to the National Academy of Sciences. You just saw at 800 degrees with what each floor was estimated weight was above it. At 700 degrees, the steel started to give way. And that's the trusses going across, holding each floor up. Now, this is the cool part. They put these high-speed things on called gusset plates. The gusset plate holds or binds two pieces of steel together. It's riveted, welded, riveted, and welded around each side of the plate. However, the idea of the plate is really cool, right? Because when the guy who built the World Trade Center, which I know that I've heard the conspiracies about all that, I was like, holy shit, now we're really digging for conspiracies today. But when I heard all of that and the guy who designed it with the gusset plates there, the gusset plates will impinge in, which when they designed the building, the idea was that it can't, because it took a lot of lives when they built that building. A lot of people died building that building. I'm not sure if everybody's aware of that or not, but there's a lot of people that died building the World Trade Center. That being said, uh, they said that it wouldn't take any more lives if it fell than the ones that it took to build it. So the idea was no more. nobody else is going to die if this building ever collapses. Well, the gusset plates impinge when they impinge, like I said, so they go in. When they give way, they go into the center. Everything goes to the center. That's the way the building was designed to collapse directly on top of itself. This was all to prevent any other future deaths. However, the one thing they never counted on is the actual concussion of when all of that hits the ground. Because when you have a plane fly in and destroy 50% of the center part of the building, you have a rather large gap there before part A and B, as they fall apart and fall down, land on top of each other, which causes what a lot of people like to call massive explosions that took place. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to present some al alternative evidence because I have some as well. Um, and Vader, yes, you're, you're, or I'm sorry, mighty Patriot. You're, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. Um, but before we get there, so it wasn't just the BBC that reported it 30 minutes early. It, it was also uh, Fox News. Watch this. Uh, these are the same guys that reported on the 2020 election. We have heard uh, just a moment ago that uh, we have a situation in which we may have gotten a warning as far as a year ago, but we wouldn't have had any way of knowing when they would do it. Here it is. I want to tell you that we are getting word from New York right now that another building has collapsed. I understand that this is a 47-story building. Uh, if I don't... Do we have pictures of it? I guess that's smoke now. Correct me if I'm wrong uh, in the control room, please. But is that smoke coming from this third collapse? Okay, that that is what we're understanding, which makes sense because it looks like the sun is, is going down. But uh, the heavy black smoke once again. Look at that. Hopefully at this point that building was empty, but I have no way of knowing that. But I, I'm, I'm hoping that enough people have cleared out of downtown Manhattan so that perhaps it wasn't as full as it might be normally around uh, 530 on a Tuesday. That's uh, information. Of course, take a look at that right-hand side of the screen. 
It's going okay. down right now. There it is. Yeah. Right down right there. Uh, this is not uh, from an explosion or an aircraft at this point, from our knowledge. Uh, the information that we have is that this is a building probably was incredibly structurally damaged by the uh, the goings-on right next door at the uh, World Trade Center and uh, the two crashes that took place there. Yeah, it is another building at the World Trade Center itself, uh, number seven, World Trade Center. Um, let's see. It had been evacuated mm -hmm. this morning Good. after the plane attack. So that's exactly what uh, what I was hoping. So structural damage, as you had uh, suggested, probably led to this building going we, down. We are seeing video today that only Hollywood could have produced at another time. We have seen the Twin Towers come apart right in front of our eyes. We've seen aircraft smashing into the side of them. Just now we saw another building as a part of that complex go down. It is so unbelievable. It is so surreal. But it's very hard for most Americans, most anyone in the world, to be able to grasp what is really taking place here. So that perhaps it wasn't as full as it might be normally around uh, 5.30 on a Tuesday. That's uh, information. Of course, take a look at that right-hand side of the screen. It's going right. down right now. There it is. Yep. Right down right there. Uh, this is not uh, from an explosion or an aircraft at this point. From our knowledge, uh, the information that we have is that this is a building that probably was incredibly structurally damaged by the, uh, the goings-on right next door. So they're saying, oh, it, it, it's already collapsed. And then, oh, oh, it's going down right there. They were live. They started reporting that it collapsed before it collapsed. And then it literally went down on screen behind them. And they were like, oh, oh, shit. Maybe we, we played that. We started talking about that a little too early. I, I, that's part of the conspiracy. <laughs> I, exactly. I, I'm telling you that what, what I'm finding it hard to believe is that uh, well, I, I, I get it. I'm pulling away from all the people who died that day, which that part of it, I can't get over. Um, and it would be, I'm sorry. How many other, how, how, how many other people would think, man, that would be really fucked up that our government did that to us. So at the, at the same time I say that though, I'm also reminded to say this, how many buddy, how, how many other people thought that about the vaccine exactly. or, or the rollout of pandemic it, or it, better yet. Yeah. Or the release of the vaccine or of COVID. So I, here's, here's where I come from. I'm not denying at all that. There's conspiracy theories out there that say, okay, they CGI'd aircraft to make it look like it was aircraft, whatever. Something hit the World Trade Centers, okay? What I don't get, and I get what you were breaking down, okay? If all that jet fuel was pouring down these elevator shafts, being accelerated by the water and what have you, why were firemen still able to go in there and continue evacuation processes without any of the civilians getting harmed by fire. Okay. And they continued it, but once they were told to back off, why were they all reporting back even live? It's, it's hard to find footage, but reporting back live, hearing multiple mini explosions on each floor. Okay. And they, and hold on when it hit the side, why did it not start to collapse and on that one side, just like if you cut a tree, you know, you notch one side, you, you do a back cut to fall in a certain direction. That's kind of how the, the, the one plane hit, but it fell directly on top of itself. Just the only time that happens is a controlled demolition. 
It is, and it also goes back to the design of the buildings. The gusset plates, understand, all right, I'm, I'm going to get a little nerdy for anybody that isn't, if you don't work with your hands, this is not the time to tune in, okay? When you build a flat floor, right? When you mm -hmm. move into your house, for instance, right? Your floors are flat, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, they are, they're not. Yeah, are they? yeah they're, they're no, they're completely not. Flat. Nope, nope. They are sure not. I can 100% agree. I can 100% tell you why they're not. And I can tell you what they're most guarded against. Okay. okay when you mean, when you mean flat, what are you referring to then? I mean, plumb. I mean, perfectly level oh. from side to side, front to back. That it's impossible. We're human. Thank you. That's number one. We always err on human nature. Now, one thing a lot of people don't realize is that your floors are actually poured at a 60-degree angle. 90% of the 60-degree angle is poured up to the point of where your water line, essentially where they would worry your water line would be had there been a flood or something of that nature. They always pour to that point. So your floors are actually leveled higher to a point in which they would concern your house possibly with a flood or for whatever reason, because if you get enough water in the ground, your foundation can literally pop out of the ground. Um, mm -hmm. So they pour to that, that point for, for a reason so that the gases and everything slide right out the side. Yeah, please don't say that. You might manifest it into reality around here. So that is done. So the floors in the World Trade Center, when you're building a high rise like that, they're all poured to the center because liquid does what? It finds its lowest point, lowest point and levels itself, right? Yeah. So when they mm -hmm. poured the That's floors, the, the floors flat. had to be poured to the lowest point. They made the lowest point around each one of the, um, each one of the freaking, um, whatchamacallit, eh, the fucking, yeah. The floors? The elevator shafts. Elevator, yeah, the center. And then the gusset plates were installed on the side. Now, understand the gusset plate tolerance level for fire under direct flame impingement is a lot less than fucking the steel beams that that plane was sitting involved in. Those gusset plates would have melted out first. And it would have dropped the building directly on top of itself exactly as it was designed to do. It was always to designed to fall in on itself. If a floor gave way, it would constantly, because those gusset plates under tensile strength, under impact pressure, those gusset plates give out, they slip. It's called a slip cut and the actual gusset plate gives and the building continues to collapse on itself. American Patriot Eagle, I remember after the towers collapsed that uh, Trump hired crews and crews of people with his own money to help dig through the rubble to find survivors and clean it up. Um, and and he I, fed like half of the city firefighters yeah, for exactly. like fucking like three weeks. And and actually and got down there and and worked shifts himself. That's what I remember. So shut up. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so with that. You had those, I, and I appreciate that you're like the first person who ever picked up, you really are, you honestly, no bullshit, the first person who ever picked up on the chimney effect that would happen with the fuel flowing down that, that freaking, those elevator shafts. But that would have fucked up a whole bunch of floors because if you think about it, just on the other side of that metal, inside, if that plane had made it and somehow the fuel was pouring down into those elevator shafts on fire, it would have burned up several of those gusset plates before it even touched any of the floors. It would have already started to weaken the metal. 
that was that's my whole point of was the whole point of that little class i just gave you in a nutshell because that's the point it was designed to drop on itself but it was also designed to drop all as one it had so many fucked up floors in the middle when it finally made came down on top of all of that that was like nothing that metal and all that concrete buried right through all of that shit and smashed in on top of all of that other stuff which increased the debris field of over a half a mile. And that's of just initial reports, according to the report that was given to the 9-11 commission. Half a mile out. Building seven was well within a half mile ring. It would have fucked up the whole bottom of building seven. But it so did, had to catch on fire. It collapsed. It said they said it was from office fires, but it collapsed from the top down like a I saw demolition. that. Yeah. We have no idea what it did underground. Not only that, I've also seen the wow. other argument that another person brought forward and he brought the 93 attacks because you brought up, how can you believe this? And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. How could I? Because how can I? After what I say to all you fuckers every night, how could I possibly still believe this? He brought up the 1993 attack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He said... There is a connection between the two attacks and one of the brothers um, on the, obviously, the jihadist side. Mm -hmm. um, there was the thought process of going back after those people, you know, who affected that or who failed in their attack, but we caught. Um, and their thought process was, well, we'll just do it right this time. Okay. Let's just say something like that happened. Okay. And when I say, let's just say, you know what I mean when I say, let's just say, and I'm going to take off my earphones and you're going to explain it. And I'm just going to play blah, 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 blah in the background. So I can't hear it. All right. Go. I'm sorry. What? So hopefully she just explained it very quickly to you. You know, she there, didn't explain shit. I didn't say anything. You know, there was a, a uh, there's a theory that the FBI set up the 93 attack, just like they have every other false flag for however long. Yeah, but there's less proof on that one just mm. because we don't have the cameras. That's the only problem. However, okay. however, let's, let, let's get back into this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 1993. Now I did not realize this until 2001 after the attack in 2001. I was like, now, what were the chances that 93 and 2001 were connected? They were connected. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at some of the diagrams and some of the actual blueprints of the World Trade Center, its final completed version. Mm -hmm. They shared a parking lot underneath both the buildings. Mm -hmm. It was really weird because on the both the North and the South Tower, girders 59 through 84 and 49 through 114 on both the corners that were facing each other shared a steel beam that was underneath the ground that was directly above the garage in which the 93 terrorists set off the bomb. Mm -hmm. Well, then I did a little bit more research and I said, okay, what if just under shits and giggles, right? Let me see what the conditions were like down there, according to that report. And that report back then, if you remember, we were in high school. Um, 
Yeah, my stepdad was in the building the first time that happened too. I, I was on my way to the building mm -hmm. that when that happened in '93, and um, we got obviously very quickly diverted. Um, <clears throat> but it was weird because the um, they had a uh, they had a fire down there that burned for a little over 16 hours before they finally got it under control and extinguished, which I thought was odd because I looked at the construction of what was down there and it's basically just concrete and pavement. And I'm thinking to myself, man, what burns that hot that just kept burning? Thermite. Well, that's what I thought, or magnesium, one of the two. You know the fucking truck those dickheads were driving was based on a 19... I think it was a 1986 body style, which had a magnesium filled fucking transmission. And I, I remember hearing about these because that's another thing we leave. We learned in the fire school, like, Hey, you don't go spray these with water because if you spray these with water, it gets worse. Yeah. That's what those dickheads were driving that day. Gotcha. Hold on. American Patriot Eagle, you obviously don't watch us enough to know that uh, we question Trump all the time. We um, we speak both about the good things he's done and the bad things he's done. Uh, so until you can until you stop paying Trump rent to live in your head, I, I suggest you just sit down and be quiet. Yeah, he's not a fucking messiah. Exactly. No shit. I, I never, ever never said, said that about yeah, it. Yeah, never. So, uh, he's anyway. definitely not the, he might not be the answer to all our prayers, but he's definitely better than the Democrats. Yeah. I'll agree with that. That's about as far. All right. So you, you asked about, hold on one second. We're going to play this one real quick because, yeah. For 12 years, our policies have been based on false information. And we don't want to live in that world. We want our policies to be based on sound evidence. Did you know Third Tower fell on 9-11? World Trade Center Building 7 is a 47-story skyscraper that collapsed late in the afternoon of September 11th. And although there was media coverage of it when it happened, there's been very little attention given to it since that day. I think we have all the story, two big towers, and then like whatever else got beat up around it. Right, know? yeah, exactly. Is there something we don't know? Unlike all the other anomalies of 9-11, which are difficult to piece together, Building 7 collapsed at free fall, and it wasn't hit by a plane. World Trade Center 7 collapsed because of fires fueled by office furnishings. And if the official story is true, this is the first time in history that a steel frame skyscraper has collapsed, supposedly due to fires. It's impossible for a 47-story skyscraper to collapse symmetrically unless all the columns have been removed simultaneously on each floor. The only way that a building can accelerate as it collapses is by having pre-engineered, precisely timed and precisely placed explosives. In other words, controlled demolition. Molten steel running down the channel rails. When people first start learning that the official story of 9-11 doesn't add up, 
it can be a very frightening experience. And I think the power of Rethink 9-11 is that it shows them that it's okay. That once they get over that initial shock, there's a vision for how we can address this issue. If everyone in the United States sees the collapse of Building 7, there will be widespread outcry for a new investigation. Rethink 9-11 is a global ad campaign with grassroots actions all across the planet. Other than promoting this guy, is there like uh, any other reason why we're playing this? I, I listen to all of yours. I, I, I'm not arguing that. I'm just wondering if we're just going to see more of this. How did the third the tower architects fall? and engineers? Well, most people don't even know that a third tower, tower fell on 9-11. Okay. People around the world are starting to get it. But the mainstream media in the U.S. is not covering this issue. And so it's up to us to put the issue in front of the people. So on September 11th, we had events happening all day in New York City. Richard Gage and a lot of our supporters started off at Ground Zero. Then they went to the New York City Council, which is just up the street from Ground Zero, and dropped off pamphlets and information to New York City's 51 council members. From there, they went to Democracy Now! Then they went to New York Times, Fox News, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, BBC, they're making it known to these news organizations that this issue is not going away. It's actually only getting bigger. Rethink 9-11. It's a global campaign that spans from Australia to Canada, from San Francisco to right here in New York City. And we think that if most of the public becomes aware of Building 7's collapse, that more and more people will start to question uh, what we've been told, and more and more people will start looking into the huge body of evidence that has been assembled, which shows that the official account can't be true. Extra, extra, read all about it. Have you heard of Building 7 before? Check out our billboard on the corner. The story the Times missed. Rethink911.org, guys. Extra, extra. 2,000 architects and engineers proven that Building 7 was brought down and controlled demolition. Have a nice day. The story of Building 7 has been swept under the rug by media. And that's why we are buying ads and we are making videos and sharing them. All we need to do is to keep the ball rolling. Sign the petition at Rethink911.org. Donate to the campaign if you can to keep the ads going. On our own, we don't have a whole lot of power. But if we work together, we can raise awareness. We can do what the media is not doing. Share this video. Sign our petition. Donate if you can. Together we can do this. So yes, there is a reason I was promoting that, okay? And uh, a lot of that comes from the architects and engineers. Hold on. But before we get into that, this is... I, I received the call shortly after the first plane hit. I got there, uh, I had to be inside on the 23rd floor when the second plane hit. Upon arriving into the OEM uh, EOC, we noticed that everybody was gone. I saw coffee that was on a desk. Still, the smoke was still coming off the coffee. I saw, I saw uh, half-eaten sandwiches. And only me, Mr. Hess, was up there. Um, 
after I called several individuals, one individual told me that um, to leave and leave right away. Mr. Hess came running back in and said, we're the only ones up here. We got to get out of here. He found the stairwell. When I made it to the sixth floor and, and, and the, there was an explosion, the explosion was beneath me. Keep in mind now, it's pitch black in there. All the lights went out. So when the explosion happened, it blew us back. I'm thinking I'm standing on a, on, on the landing. I'm actually holding on to a pole b above us. Really? And I had to climb back up because Hess is yelling, what do we do now? I said, there's only one thing we can do is, and it's go back up. Both buildings were still standing. Keep in mind, I told you the fire department came and ran. They came twice. Why? Because building tower one fell, then tower two fell. And then when they came back, they came back with all concern now, like to get me the hell out of there. I was trapped in there for several hours. I was trapped in there when, when both buildings came down. All this time, I'm hearing all type of explosions. All this time, I'm hearing explosions. When they finally got to us and they took us down to what what they, they uh, called the lobby, because I asked them, I said, when we got down there, I said, where are we? He said, this was the lobby. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. It was total ruins, total ruins. Now keep in mind, when I came in there, the lobby had nice escalators. It was a huge lobby. And for me to see what I saw, it was unbelievable. And the firefighter that took us down kept saying, do not look down. And I kept saying, why? He said, do not look down. And we were stepping over people. And you know, you can feel when you're stepping over people. This big giant police officer came to me and he says, you have to run. I said, I can't run, my knees are swollen. He said, you're gonna have to get on your knees and crawl in. He said, because we have reports of more explosions. And that's when I started crawling. And I saw this guy fall behind me and his comrades came to his aid. They dragged him to safety. I'm just confused about one thing and one thing only. Why World Trade Center 7 went down in the first place. I'm very confused about that. I know what I heard. I heard explosions. The, the, the um, expl explanation I got was it was the uh, fuel oil tank. I'm an old boiler guy. If it was a fuel oil tank, it would have been one side of the building. Do so, I mean, eyewitness explosions. They told him it was a fuel oil tank. He said it was not a fuel oil tank. Okay. That's the the best. First, what you got? No, that that okay. was just a little bit. I was run, wondering if that okay. was the best. If that's the best, nope. I mean, not okay. even close. This came out yesterday. I, I'm down for your best. Okay, because that one is actually very explainable, very easily explained away. Okay, go ahead. Nope, nope, nope. No, no, I'm go gonna ahead. wait. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna okay. wait for the best right. swing. I want the best swing. I want your top hack. All right. Uh, Stu Peters did an interview yesterday with uh, architect from Architects and Engineers from 9-11. Okay. All right. Because just like our our doctors have, uh, you know, alternative theories on the COVID jab, there's a lot of architects and engineers that have alternative theories on 9-11. Welcome back. Well, this Sunday marks the 21st anniversary of 9-11. It's actually hard to believe that much time has passed. More time separates us from 9-11 than separates 9-11 from Ronald Reagan's election. 
But the attacks continue to fascinate millions, and people are still asking questions about the attacks themselves. Well, we wanted to speak with one of those people still investigating the attacks all these years later. Richard Gage is an architect from the San Francisco Bay Area with more than 30 years of experience. He's a member of the American Institute of Architects. He's also the founder and former CEO of the group Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. He was well qualified to start such a group as Richard's professional experience. Before we continue any further with this video. Yeah. And Ghost, I, I got to ask you as well, sir, because uh, it's only fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Will you both concede? And when I look this way, I'm looking at both of you because Ghost, you're right there on my monitor. Uh -huh. But will you both concede that Stu Peters is a paid shill, as we already know? If you didn't see me smirk when you brought up Stu Peters, that yeah, give you my answer. I can't stand him. But okay, I, I'm Gage. just. I I, I'm, I, I got, I got you on Richard Gage. I'm not questioning his credentials at all. I got you. I am merely stating that you know as well as I do, and Ghost, I'm sure you do. He should have stuck to his rapping career. As an interviewer, you can control an interview. Yeah. And you can make the interview fit a narrative you want it to fit. I'm just saying I that's it. I I'm trying to be fair just, about this. Just like your your guy did in the, the video that you played. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. Gotcha. I, I'm just making sure that we yep. all have that opinion. Most definitely. All right. Can't stand Stu Peters. Included substantial work, fireproofed steel frame buildings, exactly like the ones destroyed on 9-11. Richard and his wife, Gail, have led the charge for a renewed investigation into the destruction of all three World Trade Center buildings. He leads that fight from his website, richardgage911.org. He hosts also several video podcasts a month for his show, Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed. He also participates in events like 9-11 Con and the 9-11 Truth Film Festival. Richard joins us now, sir. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate it. Thank you, Stu. It's great to be here with you. Of course. So let's start with Building 7. Lots of questions about how the evidence contradicts the official story. So in your expert opinion, what does the evidence point to? What happened to Building 7? We're talking about a 47-story skyscraper, which is part of the World Trade Center complex. This building, in the afternoon of 9-11, seven hours after the towers went down, after witnesses hear yet more explosions, this building drops like a rock straight down uniformly, symmetrically into its own footprint in under seven seconds. Now, this is at free fall acceleration as fast as a bowling ball falling out of the sky. It's absolutely incredible. Any of us would recognize it immediately, just like the old hotels in Las Vegas when they bring them down with controlled demolition so this just that alone and i hope you have the opportunity to share with the audience the collapse of this tower because it's 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 incredible so what do we find in the evidence well first of all what does the official story tell us about why this building collapsed seven years after 9 11 when anybody who ever knew about he this building collapse which is not very many people, they probably forgot about it. I'm one of 90,000 architects and engineers uh, in the American Institute of Architects, and not one of us got one bulletin from the AIA about the third worst structural failure in modern history after the Twin Towers. This is incredible. It's not been played, the collapse of this building, even though there's 11 videos of it, on mainstream media whatsoever. 
the official uh, uh, the, the, <laughs> the official narrative, if you will, from NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, who was tasked by Congress to explain these collapses to the American people, said this building came down by normal office fires. Well, Stu, we've never lost a steel frame fire protected building ever in history due to office fires. And there's been dozens and dozens of much hotter, larger and longer lasting fires in these buildings. So what happened to it really? Well, what we find in the evidence is extremely hot temperatures exceeding 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit, about the melting point of, of uh, steel. In fact, molten steel is found by the first responders flowing like lava uh, from a volcano. They're just freaked out about this. OSHA and Bechtel and others document 2,800 degrees and more temperatures. In fact, FEMA, who did the first report in 2002, documented in their Appendix C a metallurgical examination with hot sulfur corrosion attack on the steel. Liquid molten iron invading the grain boundaries of the steel. This is incredible. Silver dollar size holes, evaporation of the ends of the beams. This is very well documented. And yet NIST, when they took over the investigation, they threw this out. They threw out. And and I, 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 I'm going to interrupt it right here because this is. I didn't interrupt yours. I, 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 I realize this. Stand by real quick. Okay. There's a reason why I'm, I'm saying this and I'm going to be fair about it. And although I, I, I love 90% of the structural engineers out there. I really do. I, I they're fucking geniuses in my book. Mm -hmm. However, they are not fire investigators. One of the things I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, one of the fire investigators, according to, again, this lovely gentleman who is probably one of the few guys that is coming out against, I guess, what the narrative of what most of these, like Richard Gage and others are pushing mm -hmm. concerning the structural integrity. One of the things they said was when they were pulling apart this, the piles and piles of rubble, when they got to building seven, one of the things they found in building seven, which was completely different from the other two buildings in the steel itself, it had suffered way worse fire damage in that they did see the rivers of molten lava of molten steel, just pouring down girders. And as buildings collapse due to fire impingement, one of the big problems, and I was going to show you in my little slide presentation, but we didn't get to it. The problems with buildings is this. What's be between this and this? If you look at floors, what's between the two floors? Air. Open space, yeah. Air. Air. Every time you drop a floor on top of another floor, you just opened another cavern below that floor. It continues to, that's how it collapses. That's how these buildings are meant to collapse. And as they're in that air, they get even more the the ability to, for the fire to grow. I could see that happening. If you think about how the elevator shafts, where the, they hit the twin towers, two of the main elevator shafts were struck, which meant fuel went straight down to the bottom. And if you think about the fuel, it would have pushed out 
down at the bottom floors and spread across. And all those buildings were connected. You know, as well as I do, all of those buildings were connected underground. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's nothing for fire to rip across that. Okay. Those well, are straight wind tunnels. Great. But uh, his explanation is plausible as well. So why don't you let him finish? Because I, I didn't interrupt yours. I got you. The, uh, the, the, the hundreds of first responders talking about explosions at the towers and others at Building 7 before it came down. And so we have extreme hot temperatures. What does that mean? Well, this points to thermite. Thermite is an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. And that's exactly what we find also the U.S. Geological Survey and all the dust samples throughout the World Trade Center. They find billions of previously molten iron microspheres about the diameter of a human hair. Well, what, are this, what does this mean? And we're talking about four tons of this material, which they document very carefully, but don't even speculate as to where they might come from. Well, thermite releases molten iron as its byproduct. This is what it does at 4,000 degree temperatures. So this is the only thing that can be account that can account for the evidence that we see, not only the hot spots in building seven that are picked up by NASA thermal imaging flights, uh, but also it accounts for the, uh, the, the unignited residue of thermite, uh, in particular nanothermite in the form of red gray chips found and documented by a team of eight international scientists in Copenhagen. Uh, Niels, Niels Herrett in particular led this study. And what do they, what do they find in these red gray chips? They thought they were paint, but they're attracted by a magnet. So they have a high iron content. They get real curious to x-ray energy dispersive spectroscopy and they find iron oxide and aluminum powders in the red layer of these red gray chips this is the ingredients of thermite that's what thermite's made out of they get real curious zoom in fifty thousand times with an electron microscope and they find nanoparticles of of iron oxide in in in, in rhomboidal shaped crystals and aluminum platelets uh, this is nano-engineered thermite. They call it nanothermite in the peer-reviewed literature that was out before 9-11. So this documents uh, that the, the unignited residue of thermite in all the World Trade sam samples that they studied. And so curiously, they put these in a heater, a differential scanning calorimeter, and what, do they, what happens? They ignite at about uh, 758 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. And that what do they produce? They produce molten iron microspheres with the same chemical signature as the molten iron microspheres found by the U.S. Geological Survey. So we know exactly where those came from. They came from these red-gray chips. It's extremely clear. It's a self-corroborating, repeatable set of experimental data that could be used to bring a lot of people to justice for the crime of the century, mass murder and treason. So, inarguably, thermite was present. Absolutely. This is documented in a 24-page peer-reviewed paper in the Bentham Open Chemical Physics Journal. It stands uncontested. It's called Unreacted Thermite in the World Tr 
unreacted thermitic materials in the World Trade Center dust. Um, was is that peer-reviewed paper still oh, yeah. there? That research is oh, still yes. available and accessible. It's online. It came out in two thousand and nine. NIST had every opportunity to review this, to review the dust, but they just cover the whole thing up. It is one big cover-up. The NIST report, the FEMA report, uh, the government uh, narrative, which tells us that in the case of the towers, the planes hit the towers and the, 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 the fires that were started uh, weakened the steel and then the top part drives the rest of the towers down to the ground and then destroyed itself, which is ludicrous because it's like running a Mack truck into a Volkswagen saying the Volkswagen wins. Newton's third law of conservation of momentum says there's an equal and opposite destructive force. The upper part would have been destroyed uh, and probably fallen off uh, the towers. What so other what evidence we... was destroyed? Huh? What other evidence was destroyed? <clears throat> well, about 200,000 tons of structural steel was sent to China for recycling starting just two weeks after 9-11. And this, uh, before forensic investigators could get uh, do a real forensic investigation. Fortunately, though, they have... 256 pieces of steel uh, out of hundreds of thousands of pieces that were saved. And what do they show? The FEMA documented them as hot sulfur corrosion attack that we talked about. Uh, we also have the, the, the evidence of actually cool temperatures uh, from the steel that NIST documented, <clears throat> even though they claim 1800 degree Fahrenheit temperatures in the, in the fires. Uh, the actual steel that the first responders and many, many others, including the World Trade Center structural engineer himself, Leslie Robertson, says a river of steel flowing. So there's this huge contradiction between the fire temperatures, which were actually quite cool, and the, and the, and the incredible quantities of molten iron. But what the first responders are documenting, it, and I'm talking 156 of them orally recorded through the work of Professor Graham McQueen, we now have uh, an, an idea of what they were saying because he actually read these reports, which were hidden until 2005 when they came out. And what are we? What are they saying? L like like a like a bomb, like all the way around the building. All these explosions. Uh, some of them say like a train running running under my feet. Uh, and and they're talking about explosions before the tower collapses. Uh, I mean, the, the order of events is very specific. So we've got hundreds uh, altogether of witnesses of explosions, including uh, the day of 9-11, uh, the reporters uh, who are on the ground that morning, that day, local reporters, uh, uh, most of them, 36 out of 40, are talking about sounds of explosions, some of them experiencing explosions again before the towers collapse. And then this, this story is hijacked by the uh, mainstream media who came in and took over the story and, and declared it was a gravitational collapse or progressive collapse due to structural weakening uh, due to the fires. So we 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 now know due to the great work of Graham McQueen and Ted Walter, which just came out uh, yesterday, 
the incredible report, how the story got hijacked. It's really quite incredible. Uh, but we also have at the beginning of this collapse, uh, the liquefaction, if you will, of the structure of the Twin Towers above the point of jet plane impacts, because we can see dozens of explosions, particularly in the South Tower, while this part is telescoping in on itself. It's not driving the rest of the towers down to the ground whatsoever. It's We see hundreds of, ex well, dozens of explosions out of the side of the towers that we show. <clears throat> in our in our documentary 9-11 explosive evidence experts speak out so after that we have freely flying lateral ejected four and eight ton structural steel sections at 80 miles an hour clocked by physicists landing 600 feet in every direction so guess what that steel is not even available to crush the rest of the building and neither is the concrete the concrete is pulverized in midair and distributed over a three square mile area. So it is in a powder, three inches thick, a blanket across lower Manhattan. So it's not available. That's 90,000 tons of concrete in each tower, completely unavailable to crush the tower. That's a third of the weight of the tower. The steel is another third of the weight of the tower. That's two thirds of the weight of this tower minimum. That's not available to crush anything. And yet it has been projected by mathematician and structural engineer uh, Zdenek Bazant of Chicago Northwestern University, who says that, oh, the top part crushed the bottom part. Well, not only did he add the steel and the concrete in that calculation, but he multiplied it by about three times to ensure that his mathematical uh, obfuscated paper uh, was was uh, going to succeed in proving that uh, the the top part destroyed the lower part. It never could have whatsoever. It's complete fraud. It's been challenged by engineers, uh, and uh, the results of those challenges are out are outstanding still after years. Well, so the, we have a the the, the press is obviously uh, covering this up. The mainstream media, the legacy media, uh, this liar who uh, you know hypothesized. All right, go ahead. What do you got to say? No, go ahead. What do you have to say? No, because he just negated his whole his whole argument. How's that? Oh well, well, it's we we've no no you don't when you have when there is a problem with a specific scientist paper, mm -hmm. you write a rebuttal to that specific scientist paper. You don't wait. What are you waiting on? No, he didn't say he waited. He said they've already written it and it's actually being adjudicated. It's in the courts. It shouldn't need to. It's just a publication. It doesn't matter. You're publishing a different opinion. No, they're they're literally suing for the truth to come out um, to overturn the results of the 9-11 commission and have this brought to light. Well, much like somebody said over here, uh, I never I never bought the. I never thought that the the official narrative was put out by the federal government. I always figured it was more of this story. More of the, yeah, said I never bought the official narrative. Oh, put I never out bought okay by the federal government. I always figured I there was more to the story. Yes, there is more to this. Reading story. the wrong. So, my thing is okay. We've gone over the buildings, and we we know they've collapsed. Yep. yep. Now we take it for leave it. However you feel about that. I think the real conspiracy and the real thing and questions that people have today is what direction it then took America. 
And when I say that, 19 hijackers were Saudi Arabians. Why yep. did we go to Afghanistan first? Why did we protect poppy fields? Why were we at the museums? Why why were we even in Afghanistan when it was the Saudis that 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 did it? Why did we have to go into a 20-year a, a war and have some dipshit that shits his pants in front of the fucking Pope pull us out and disgrace every fucking military member that ever went over there, was there, or had family there? Why were why did the that cop pull over the van full of Israelis and describe them as dancing in jubilation? When? Right after it happened, right after the towers fell. The dancing Israelis. I've never heard that. You That's... never heard about it. I was hoping Noel was gonna come on and tell us all about the dancing Israelis, but he must have gotten held up. I again the conspiracy part of it that I'm 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 already sold on that part. I'm not saying I'm I'm saying that. What I'm what I'm saying I'd like to believe is that they what I'm saying what most people would like to believe back then because you know that means that everything I did after that point is a fraud. I know I I, I understand. I, I, I can see how you could feel that way, but it wasn't a fraud because it wasn't a fraud. I was clipping dicks from. I mean, you got to remember if there was never a nine eleven, there was there a was never a, a reason. Touch. What I'm saying is it was it was done on purpose. It was a ritual. It, it was done on purpose to create another war for us to who wins when we have wars, both sides, the enemy and, and, and the victor. Big banks. They fund both sides. Uh, who got it, rich? You the know, elite. it's interesting you bring up the big banks. I just listened to a podcast uh, on the SGT report uh, maybe a week or two ago with uh, Dr. KL, right? And he was talking about how after, right after the American Revolution, we were we were uh, we were broke. We borrowed seven yeah. seven million dollars, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. did you listen to that podcast? I, no, I know all okay, about it, right? And then um, and then we couldn't pay it back, and so you know, uh, essentially we were. That's when the Constitution was formed. It, um, it was a a contract for us to pay back the money that we owed to Europe, and then we couldn't pay it back. And so then we had the civil war to delay it and so on and so forth. And we were supposed to essentially declare bankruptcy, official bankruptcy on September 11th, 2001. And that they, they dropped the towers to keep us in a debt driven society because otherwise if they had declared bankruptcy we would have had the jubilee and all debts of cross for all americans would have been forgiven your mortgage your your student loans your credit cards everything everyone just would have reset to nothing um and yet another theory as to why it happened um then yep. Huey boy you're right there's another theory that it was the the that it was a jewish sacrifice for shamatria or shamatra which is in September. Can can oh. I just say one thing real quick? Please. And I I, I kind of I don't know you personally. I, I just know by listening to the podcast and you know obviously you're a patriot. You you you're a vet. I think that's where you struggle because of what you did, what you've seen, what you were ordered to do was based off of that. You're absolutely based right. off of that. You're absolutely and right. I, by coming to terms that the U.S. government would not, that would do this to its own people, deflates a lot of your sales because it deflates mine. 
It yeah. makes me feel like I served a, a, a fucking fraud for a fucking government. But at the same time, you started your podcast as well as I did seeking truth. Correct. So sometimes when we come to certain things that we don't believe in coincidences and we come across certain truths, they are hard to swallow because of personal reasons. That doesn't make you a piece of shit. That doesn't make me a piece of shit. That still makes you a war hero. That makes you, you did what you were commanded to do and you were willing to lay your life on the line for that. And that's good. You know, we don't, that is, but then, we, we but have then, a whole bunch of pussies now that won't even fucking do that. But then, we, but then you look at it, right? Now you have to ask this question, right? Um, you were also told that like, Hey, if you were handed down in the legal order that you would say no. Mm hmm. How many of those order, orders now that you were handed down were illegal and that you should have actually said, no, I shouldn't kill this person. But you didn't know they were illegal at the time. It, it's immaterial. It, it, it doesn't that. matter. It, it, again, you, you basically violate your own argument because it's like it does matter because if that had never happened, that eliminates all of that bad shit happening. Which means now maybe we're not even married and maybe I'm fat and happy with some other bitch shacked up somewhere else. And I've got a butt ton of kids, or maybe I don't, or maybe I'm by myself again, or maybe I'm still single, or I, I don't know. I mean, how much did 9-11, if you, when you look at 9-11, uh, I, I always like to say a generation grew up because I, I've always, I've always found myself in a crossroads because I always felt a stronger con connection with the generation just before me. Yet I was actually born in the generation after that. But I always felt the strongest connection with the generation before me. And most of my friends are the generation before me, which is crazy. But it was always that weird thing that always had me feeling like we were the silent punks back in the 80s. And we kind of never got loud. We never spoke up. We, we, we never, we never said something and we although and overcame, you're absolutely right that we started this in seek, seeking the truth. Um, I, I think we started it for a lot of the same reason that people go to podcasts to listen to podcasts because they, mm -hmm. they listen for psychos like you and I. Technically that, we started it to overturn the government. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, our initial plans for this podcast were a little bit more devious. <laughs> hey, that's still seeking the truth. It is true. However, I mean, like, but it's the same reason that other people come to listen to crazy ass people like you and I talk on the on a podcast to know that, hey, look, we're amongst people. There's there's always family. It's always people. There's always other people here that we might not always agree on what the situation of conspiracies are however we do agree I, i'm not saying like like for instance this one I, i'm not saying that there wasn't a conspiracy behind it i agree that there is definitely the breeding field for a conspiracy behind it however i'm also saying at the same time that there definitely is evidence that there are planes that flew directly in the towers we've seen enough video evidence mm -hmm. alone um and they're all ta taken from different shots and the ones that I'd like to see again that we only saw within the first couple of days after the initial attack were the ones from the side in which the planes actually hit the towers. They've stripped all of those. Now you can only see the ones from the background because I would love to be able to measure 
point distances because in explosions, if you're smart enough, you can measure point distance, distances from the initial part of the explosion to the outside extent of the explosion at a certain time. And it talks about, it's a basically an equation, force, mass, density, so on and so forth. Anyway, long story short, explosive properties involved, it would tell us if that was a secondary blast or part of the initial blast, because there would be initial fallout from jet fuel, which would in turn cause a blast. And I just wonder one day if those images will ever be re-released to where we can actually measure them and decisively prove or disprove the theory of thermite. Because I'm sorry, the one thing this guy doesn't talk about, and how many welders do I have in here? How many welders listen to us? If you're a welder and you know something about welding, please raise your hand right now. Because what I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember the exact chemical composition of a stick welder. And the stick is, I want to say it's oxidized. Um, fuck, I'm trying to remember the next three words. And there's like three words that follow it and they're huge. And it's thermo, thermogenic, it's oxidized thermogenic metal, metallurgical alloy or something like that. Basically, using electricity, you are heating this rod up to essentially the degrees of thermite. Now, I argue with this guy that was on here before, and I, I didn't say nothing. I bit my tongue. I just sat there and kept my mouth shut. How many steel girders are were in the World Trade Center? Anybody? 999,974, or, 9, or something crazy like that. That's a lot of welding. You would find a lot of oxidized metal that would have thermite characteristics to it on the ground. It would make sense on each individual floor if you were welding thermite girders together and you were welding thermite steel, you know, plates with essentially thermite rods in on a on a fucking beam. That would make sense. I I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but that would make sense. That would give you the same result. And there were all those people that were building that motherfucker back then. I guarantee they'll tell you the same thing, that they were welding the shit out of those plates. Those plates were designed a specific way. I can't explain it to you any other way. All I know is if you go to any, you go to any firehouse local to you and you ask them about gusset plates, they will tell you horror stories of gusset plates. I fucking hate them. I've had two roofs collapse on me with gusset plates. And those things are absolutely worthless when they're impinged upon by heat. When they are not impinged upon by heat, they're fine. They hold up to anything. But impinged upon by heat and you're fucked. And that's exactly what was inside the fucking World Trade Center. So I have in the explosions. Have you ever heard a floor pancake with another floor? It sounds like a fucking explosion. It literally sounds like an explosion. When concrete and metal smash under weight, it smells like an explosion. There's a guy. But why would the guy then hear it below him? Because it, think about it. The building is designed. All right. A bit, you didn't let me finish with that video. That building was not just designed per. There were certain number of stories that were covered per floor. And then the, the architect turned it. And he turned it for a reason because there was only so much weight certain girders could withstand. 
And when he turned the fucking building, he put the weight on different girders. So as the girders were shifting, so think about it this way. We talked about the dick finger and everybody asked me about this. What's a dick finger? And I know it's hard to explain. Uh, if I had a straw and a toothpick, I could explain it better. But essentially, if you think about the dick finger, it is, there's a core of aluminum. I forget what they called it. It was like aluminum iron, like a ferrite of sorts. And it was meant to shift the whole building up to a certain level was meant to move. And that was to control the building and really bad windstorms because it is right there on the East coast. It basically kind of hurricane proofed it in a way uh, because it allowed the building so many degrees of sway per side. You can go watch any camera uh, videotaping downtown New York City prior to 9-11. And if you watch it in slow-mo, you will watch those buildings move and they move so many degrees either side. And they're allowed to move because of this, what we call the dick finger down the middle of the building. And it's basically a material that allows the building to shift, but essentially brings the material back straight up and down. And so the building never really falls over, but it shifts. If you look at where those planes hit the building, not only did they hit just above where the dick finger was, but had they gone in deep enough and they burnt through enough, you would have been pouring essentially gasoline directly down around the dick finger. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the guy that was in building seven that heard explosions below him. So, and then he managed to get down through those floors because they hadn't collapsed. So, so standby. Yeah, that happens all the time. I've heard that from several survivors of collapses in Kansas alone. There's a lady that talks about being stuck in a fucking parking structure that got hit by a tornado and the fucking, the parking structure collapsed. She said she heard explosions before the parking structure collapsed because that's what it took to tear that fucking concrete and tear it to such a point that the fucking actual thing collapsed on itself. I will say your dick finger, uh, is hysterical. It, no, it, 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 you may, <laughs> Whether you realize it or not, when you were explaining that, you almost kind of proved some of the flat earth theory with that. <laughs> I love this guy. He's, a flat earther, he's coming. So. He's coming back on. You're coming back on for a news episode. That's it. It's over. He just proved my flat earth. Oh, my God. OK. All right. So that explains why it was standing straight up and down, because it wouldn't be completely plumb if we were on around earth. Thank you, Correct. sir. All right. So let's, let's move on to the next one here because, um, and I know you said you've seen a portion of the plane inside the Pentagon. You worked in the Pentagon yep. after move it. All right. So let's, let's see this, this footage aired once after nine 11 and then no one ever saw it again. But of course, you know, there's a way back machine. Outside the Pentagon, CNN's military affairs correspondent, Jamie McIntyre. And Jamie, you got very close to where that plane went down. That's right, Judy. A short uh, a while ago, I walked right up to next to the building. Was uh, uh, Firefighters were still trying to put out the blaze. The, the fire, by the way, is still burning in some parts of the Pentagon. And I took a look at the huge gaping hole that's in this sideway. But from my close-up inspection, uh, there's no evidence of a plane having crashed anywhere near the Pentagon. The only site uh, is the actual 
uh, side of the building that's crashed in. And as I said, the only pieces left uh, that you can see are, are small enough that you could pick up in your hand. Uh, there are no large uh, tail sections, wing sections, uh, a fuselage, nothing like that anywhere around. Okay, why would it be on the outside of the building? The plane was driving into the building, correct? Yeah. So where should the pieces have been located? Inside the building, correct? Why are you expecting to find things on the ground outside the Pentagon? Think about it. Something is flying at a high rate of speed at a structure just like this. Where does it go? Well, All of the forces transfer directly to the front of the plane and it is pulverized directly into that object. Well, correct? that large of a plane, though, you'd think you would see something, fuselage, wings ripped off, something. Not if it hit, not if it hit a building. Do you have the video footage of uh, the top view of the impact? I don't because so. if you look at that, okay, and this is where I disagree that it, can you, it can was you send an it aircraft. To me? Hold on, I'll find it right I, quick. I don't, yeah, I don't have it. I pulled up. I kind of didn't, you know, because I knew you guys played clips and what have you. But if you look at that. You okought okay, we were better prepared, didn't you? <laughs> See, this, this is what happens when you raise, because I've found that if you, you, you have high hopes, or if, if you have really high goals and you fail to achieve, achieve them, it's phenomenal. It really yeah, is. It's yeah. fucking phenomenal. Actually, but, our, our kid got set up on a blind date by his coach. Yeah, this is going to be really and, nice. Uh, and that one's backwards. Going to go out and play some stinky pinky, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, I, I don't I, I don't know how to do that. I don't, he's like. <laughs> I was like, well, kid. I don't know about this girl. You. And I was like, well, just don't have any expectations. Because if you have no expectations, you can't defeat them. Yeah, you can, so, if you fail to achieve them. Yeah. So if you if you look at that footage, okay, and we were talking about how fast these aircraft were, were flying, yep. 500 and some odd miles an hour, okay? That plane, that quote-unquote plane that hit the Pentagon was just a streak. All you saw was poof. It was traveling well, well, okay, wait, much faster was... than 500 and some miles an hour. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, airdrop it to you. Oh, I'll text it to you real quick. Yeah, te uh, you can airdrop it, actually, because I have... Can and I... then I... that kind of backs up the... VPN. The... Charlie Robbins episode where the remote viewers uh, saw a Jewish warship or something, or maybe I, I maybe it wasn't Jewish, but uh, fire a missile. And to me, having been around missiles and and loaded them and you know air to ground missiles and what have you, when I see that footage, to me, that looks just like a missile attack, whether small or big. It it, it does. A civilian plane does not travel that fast. Uh, no, well, let's it, see. Let's see. Well, we're going to look at it right yep. now. So give me one second. I got to do some magic here. We're going to check it out. Got to love technology where it takes a, a it Takes us to the Wayback to Machine. Text him yeah. the video real quick. Pentagon missile hit 9-11. That's what the name of this video is. So if you can't see it. Okay. Good picture of the Pentagon there. Yeah. Yep, that's the the aerial view. Okay, and right here about is where Pentagon hit. Watch missile. Well, uh, yeah, what missile flies that slow though? What airplane? They, they, they have this slowed down. 
No, I know they do, but what airplane flies that fast? If you think about it in a controlled descent with a D with even a 707, this is the the one one I've always, this is the one I've always had an issue with because I thought it was weird because the photo, it almost looks like it's a prop plane. See, okay, uh, go back, go back a little bit because that you're right, that did look like a prop plane. It that looked, looked like more a like Cessna. a prop plane, like a Cessna. Yeah, that I, was, I mean, it was like a, a cruise missile with wings went right there and slammed right into the Pentagon. Huge explosion now, uh, great ball. Of- okay, well, let's let's think about this real quick. Okay, if it was a Cessna like loaded down with explosives, what would that do? I could, but Cessnas don't fly that fast. And it yeah, but wouldn't get missiles don't in. do this either. Missiles don't mm-hmm. do that right there. A missile does not do that, not in an angle like that, unless it's fired at an angle like that. It would have been. It would have been a, been a ground missile. It, it would have been a straight shot right through both the buildings. I, I mm-hmm. see. That's that's a rough one. I. I I don't know what hit the Pentagon, but I yeah. can tell you right now, it wasn't I have seen, I don't think, I don't think it was a 747 just judging by the wheel diameter alone that I saw that was removed. Yeah. Now that being said at the same time, I, I can say that that video right there tells me that I don't think it was a plane either. Right. I don't know what the fuck that was, but that I, I don't a- either. And I'm fu- fu- fully on, but to me, that was not uh, a commercial airline. And the fact that it hit the financial building. Yeah, on the side, on the side, the the D-ring. It hit D-ring on the east side of the building. That is very, very odd. I'll give you that. That Because if you go with their narrative, the dude that supposedly was, couldn't even fly the fucking thing, did it perfectly and did this descent, missed all wires, trees, and it was a perfect hit. Come on. See, and that's I can't get behind that. I I I get you on the not being able to get behind that part of the. That is a that's a great question, and I don't know. I agree, something happened on nine eleven. I just don't buy the official narrative at all. I I don't either. I don't. I don't. I'm not sold on that. We weren't aware. I am not sold on that at Mm -hmm. all because I find that almost impossible to believe. That is absolutely impossible for what we knew at the time and what we were talking about at the time and who we thought the enemy was to be at the time. I can tell you right now that that is fucking impossible. That no way, no way that we didn't think for any second that it wasn't bin Laden. We were talking about bin, everybody knew about bin Laden. Bin Laden's name had pinged more, more than a fucking Chinese hooker's pussy pinged after a fucking rape fest with a bunch of soldiers. I can tell you right now, there's no way in hell that that fucking is the case. Hold on. Ah, that's not what I want. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Let's try this again. So since Noel couldn't make it, um, he was going to talk about the dancing Israelis that I brought up to you. So let's talk about that real quick. So... As you just fuck everything. Up. There we go. Yeah, I'm really good at that. You really are. I would have so done it differently. But. Okay, it's all good. 
All right. Back to the dancing Nancys or whatever. Dancing Israelis. Whatever they are. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Who killed JFK? Well, we think uh, Israelis. Yeah. It was widely reported that men had been celebrating the attack after recording the first plane strike. They were not Al-Qaeda, but they were detained. I grabbed my binoculars and I could see the towers from my window. And this is where I, you know, I'm looking. And all of a sudden, down there, I see this van park. And I see three guys on top of the van. And I could see that they were, like, happy. You know, they, 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 were, they didn't look shocked to me. You know, they didn't look shocked. There was a group of Israelis, uh, some of whom later were revealed as Mossad assets, who were arrested after cheering and high-fiving and videotaping uh, the crash of the airplanes into the World Trade Towers. Several other men were detained after a van full of explosives was stopped outside of Manhattan. Earlier we had heard that an FBI spokesperson said that there was a report on the George Washington Bridge, which is another facility which you folks are responsible for policing, uh, a report that there had been a van uh, stopped there that had explosives. Asked this week about another sprawling investigation and the detention of 60 Israelis since September 11th, the Bush administration treated the questions like hot potatoes. I would just refer you to the Department of Justice whether I'm not familiar with the report. I'm aware that uh, some Israeli citizens have been detained. With respect to why they are being retained, detained and the other aspects of, of your question, whether it's because they are in intelligence services or what they were doing, I will uh, defer to the Department of Justice and the FBI to answer that. On March 6, 2002, a draft report from the DEA said it, may well be an organized intelligence gathering activity. Despite all of this, all the Israelis were let go without any espionage charges being filed. Fox News anchors Brit Hume and Carl Cameron would do a four-part investigation into these allegations in December of 2001 and yield stunning results. It has been more than 16 years since a civilian working for the Navy was charged with passing secrets to Israel. Jonathan Pollard pled guilty to conspiracy to commit espionage and is serving a life sentence. At first, Israeli leaders claimed Pollard was part of a rogue operation, but later took responsibility for his work. Now Fox News has learned some U.S. investigators believe that there are Israelis again very much engaged in spying in and on the U.S. Since September 11th, more than 60 Israelis have been arrested or detained, either under the new Patriot anti-terrorism law or for immigration violations. A handful of active Israeli military were among those detained, according to investigators, who say some of the detainees also failed polygraph questions when asked about alleged surveillance activities against and in the United States. Investigators suspect that the Israelis may have gathered intelligence about the attacks in advance and not shared it. A highly placed investigator said there are, quote, tie-ins. But when asked for details, he flatly refused to describe them, saying, quote, evidence linking these Israelis to 911 is classified. I cannot tell you about evidence that has been gathered. It's classified information. Now, when the FBI investigated, uh, it quickly unraveled to be the largest foreign spy ring ever uncovered inside the United States, the largest. Even the Soviet Union had not been spying on the United States as much as Israel has been doing. So they, the FBI started to round up these spies. They started to arrest them very quietly. And they were about halfway through this process of rounding up this spy ring when 9-11 happened. 
Numerous classified documents obtained by Fox News indicate that even prior to September 11th, as many as 140 other Israelis had been detained or arrested in a secretive and sprawling investigation into suspected espionage by Israelis in the United States. Investigators from numerous government agencies are part of a working group that's been compiling evidence since the mid-90s. These documents detail hundreds of incidents in cities and towns across the country that investigators say, quote, may well be an organized intelligence gathering activity. The first part of the investigation focuses on Israelis who say they are art students from the University of Jerusalem and Bazalel Academy. Documents say they, quote, targeted and penetrated military bases, the DEA, FBI, and dozens of other government facilities, and even secret offices and unlisted private homes of law enforcement and intelligence personnel. The majority of those questioned, quote, stated they served in military intelligence, electronic surveillance intercept, and or explosive ordnance units. Why would Israelis spy in and on the U.S.? A general accounting office investigation referred to Israel as Country A and said, quote, According to a U.S. intelligence agency, the government of Country A conducts the most aggressive espionage operation against the U.S. of any U.S. ally. The document concludes, quote, Israel possesses the resources and technical capability to achieve its collection objectives. What about this question of advanced knowledge of what was going to happen on 9-11? How clear are investigators that some Israeli agents may have known something? Well, it's very explosive information, obviously, and there's a great deal of evidence that they say they have collected, none of it necessarily conclusive. It's more when they put it all together. A bigger question, they say, is how could they not have known? Almost a direct quote, Brett. It is now apparent that this intelligence ring was inside the U.S., had prior knowledge of 9-11, and had a classified role in 9-11, which officials refused to discuss. It was also able to penetrate U.S. intelligence agencies and secret offices, yet all were released. The men who were detained due to the report they were taping the first plane crash and then celebrating and joking about it actually went on television and admitted it was their job to record the attack. And at that point we were taken for another round of questioning, this time related to our allegedly being members of Mossad. The fact of the matter is, we are coming from a country that experiences terror daily. Our purpose was to document the event. How could they have known about the attack? And who sent them to document it? The evidence points to a large intelligence network inside the United States that had teams on the ground, such as the ones recording the attack, and electronic surveillance teams gathering information. Sounds like the deep state. No, actually it doesn't. During actually, his lifetime, but also in study. Actually, it sounds like Israel. Um, that's seriously, folks. I some of the worst, some of our worst perpetrators of stealing our technology and our secrets is our friends. Our friends are the worst at it. Uh, they steal it all the time. They do it all the time because they're we we give them access to it. Um. It's horrible to think about, but it, it's true. It's that's the facts of the case. I mean, for the most part, um, I don't know how many times I've given a briefing and told people, "Hey, look, <laughs> Israelis are the worst. They were the yeah. ones who coined the honeypot. The honeypot was an Israeli-owned operation for fucking years." So, as closely as 
Papa Bush worked with the Israelis, and you know that he did because he worked with them. No, he didn't. Yeah, he, 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 he no, worked with no, them no, to kill JFK. Nope, nope, nope. No, yeah, he did he, not. No, he did not. No, he did not. Mm-hmm. You have that backwards. Papa Bush was with the Saudis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he also I'm, Papa Bush was down with fucking Saudi dick. No, 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 no. You can't even because the Brown oil family is the whole connection of the Bush family to the oil industry. Okay, and weren't mostly Saudis the ones that flew the planes into the World Trade Center, and Papa Bush was president sucking on them. Well, no, Junior no. Bush was well, president, president, but it doesn't Bush matter. Was, he was. It doesn't was matter. It's pseudo president. Um, that whole that whole family's corrupt. All yeah. it is is a reverse of what happens I, right now with Obama and Biden. The Israelis knew but didn't tell us because they knew that Papa Bush was behind it with the Saudis. Who would they tell? I, like I said, the conspiracy part of it, I agree with you. There's too many things, there, too many quote unquote consi- coincidences. There and are no coincidences. There are no coincidences in my world. Mm-hmm. So my, my, yeah. my thing is, uh, is Israel is not is not oh <clears throat> is not the good guy that most conservative people in America think that they are. I completely agree with that. Yep. I, I completely think that uh, you know I we I, have no we, friends. You and I have a weird way of looking at it because we have seen both sides better mm-hmm. to speak, so to speak. All right. Um, you have probably received just as many briefings as I have about foreigners and about foreigners watching you and doing things, especially, I mean, there was a point in time in my life and you can ask her that I walked outside and every morning and I, I checked everything that I had before I came home. I checked everything I had. I swept my bag for bugs. I was doing all of that shit because I become that paranoid that, yeah, that shit's out there. Um, when you do that type of shit over and over again, you become very paranoid to what you do to other people. Forget what is being done to you, but it's just from what you witness from doing to other people. And you're like, well, if I can do this, can you imagine what they could do here? Mm-hmm. And that's the paranoia that sets in. So Are I you fucking kidding me. It's raining again. Son of a bitch. It's not raining. It's fucking pouring. Son of a but you know, so you, you you have to think of it in the light in which the time frame we were at at that point, which back then we should have been uber sensitive because we were basically at a point of peace. There was no real war. You know, everything we were doing on the military side was normal run of the mill shit. Nothing special had happened. Nothing would have caused us to fast forward training arrangements or equipment or. I, I mean, think about how 9-11 projected us to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Think about and all the Patriot, the, you, you brought up the Patriot Act. That yeah. Turned, that turned you and I now into fucking terrorists. Terrorists. We are now terrorists. And I supported it for the most part. I mean, for what- Because you didn't think it would be used against us. For what it did and for the point that it was put there for, I supported it because- as long as it's kept within the letter of the law and the color of the law, it would actually work. However, government doesn't do that. They don't give a shit. Human beings don't do that. Fuck our government. Just human beings in general. Don't do that. Information is power. The more information you have, the more power you have. 
That is why the federal government, our federal government, possesses such a stranglehold. Everybody asks, Mick, how the fuck is it possible that our government can tell, still tell another country right now to stand down on what it's doing? Because our federal government possesses a book of secrets just like every other federal government does that's out there in the world. Yeah, and we pay them. The difference is our secrets can end, end your whole world. And if we release our secrets about your country, you're fucked. Kind of like what Russia's trying to do with us right now? Exactly. Because they got now, a here's lot my thing. of uh, secrets. Yes, QE boy, if, we are always smoking, darling. Pack that shit up. If the government is always telling us who the bad guy is constantly and who the good guy is, I've, in the last few years, maybe longer, is is Russia really the bad guy? Yeah, we ask that question a lot. Trust me. Because if, if they're telling us that's a bad guy since the 50s, why? I've never personally seen them do anything bad to us. I personally, per I, I know... Uh, why is Ukraine good all of a sudden? I know two or three KGB agents that I have kept in touch with just to get a vibe of, you know, what's, what's going, going on, on out there. And they worked with us in a unilateral position. I don't trust anything that comes out of them. However, I've asked the question on several different occasions concerning what's going on in Ukraine. I said, would I be far off? And we have come out on this show openly. We've said it over and over again. There is a I war. love to believe that there's mm -hmm. a war in a Ukraine right now. However, I don't believe there's a war in Ukraine right now. I have bounced this information off of them. I asked them. I said, look, don't tell me an answer. <laughs> Just give me, you know what to give me. And it's basically a thumbs up, thumbs down. Like, am I on the right track or am I not? Yeah, we're laundering money through Ukraine to put back in the Biden's pockets or mm -hmm. and all the ones below them. There's no fucking war. There. And I asked the, the question, I said, their own are you guys currently at war with Ukraine? And all three of them gave me no. on three separate text messages, all gave me a thumbs down. No, nah, there. No, nah. there's no war going on in Ukraine. No, in fact, there's certain Russian troops and 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 rebuilding certain parts of Ukraine yeah. right now. Actively. Are Ukrainian citizens that are saying that those were Ukrainian troops, not Russian troops? Mm -hmm. No, nah, I mean, look at the Aslov Battalion. Yeah, they're they're leftover Nazis. That's it. That's it. Like, Everybody in the, the the lineage within the battalion can trace their roots back to the Nazi regime mm -hmm. to the Reich. And it almost makes you wonder if the if the Israelis have been spying on us that hardcore since the fifties, as claimed in that last video that we watched were they looking for nazis this whole time um well there's two parts to that okay there are there's Cause i'm the one that says all the time i say this all the time that we actually lost world war ii that we just that they couldn't overtly occupy us because we have too many guns and every swing and dick would be on their front porch just playing target practice all day so instead they covertly infiltrated us and I mean, I, the Israelis know that they, they know all about Operation Paperclip, that we've had literal Nazis in every segment of our society since they founded NASA. Exactly. So you, what you're trying to say is that maybe they just eliminated all the Nazis in one fell swoop with 9-11? No, I'm saying no. that maybe that's why the Israelis have been spying on us so hard, because they've been trying to see when the Nazis were going to make their final move, which is now. 
Well, I, I, I can tell you this much. They've done it for a number of reasons. One of the biggest ones initially that became in the 50s that they were looking after was nuclear power. That was the huge one for the longest time. The Jewish people, I, I'm sorry to say, the Jews were kings of thieves when it came to, came to trying to steal how we build in the U.S. nuclear power reactors. Well, they were essentially gypsies um, for a very long time before they found their own homeland. So, you know. Long story short. Uh, <laughs> I could be sorry. No, go for it. No, I no, the, 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 I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, no, I'm just uh, the, the whole religious thing. Uh, it, it's, it's it's. Oh, it's irkable. Yes, it's very yeah. irkable. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Jews though they were they were horrendous. They stole from us like you wouldn't believe. They stole secrets out of us that like we didn't. And when I bring up the honeypot, that that is literally a Jewish operation. The reason that we know about the honeypot scam is because we know it's a Jewish operation. They used it. They used it against counterintelligence assets that were sent here from Russia to divert them from what they were trying to what they were trying to steal. The Russians were actually getting in front of them in the eighties, and a lot of the shit that blew up in the eighties, if you remember, all the families, the Russian families in the fifties. Holy shit, we went ape shit. Why did we go ape shit against the Russians? The Jews put them in our sights. The Jews were trying to steal the information and the Russians were trying to steal the information at the same time. The Russians got in the way of the Jews. So the Jews just said, sell them out. If you sell them out, they become a natural enemy of the United States. Then we become their best friends and they just hand us the information. It works that much better. So while we're talking about Nazis, okay, this, this might be a little off topic. Have, have you ever heard about the Kecksburg UFO incident in... In Pennsylvania. No. It I, was a supposed UFO crash in 1965. 65, you, yes. yes. Yes, I've heard about it. If you look at this, okay, it's almost a spitting image of the Nazi bell. Yeah. Which they claimed was a tra time-traveling device and, and what have you. Well, it wasn't time traveling. Her, it was actually, her grandmother it was like, an, yeah, designed my, them. My grandmother was Maria or my great grandmother was Maria Orsic, and she designed the first anti-gravity uh okay. Bell device. So that the original belt, which they called the Vril 2, um, or the Bell 2, but the the Vril, yeah, it's boring out there. Um, yeah, but I, uh, I can actually hear it through your microphone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. Perfect. That's um, that's a good ass microphone. Yeah, it's right a good there. mic. But yeah, mm -hmm. so uh, and they they when they evacuated the homeland and went to New Schwabenland and Antarctica, they they brought those ships with them, and that. That's, I believe, has been what most of the UFO sightings across the world have been for the last 70 years. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, it, it's just, it's it's crazy that the technology that the Nazis were developing, okay, the, the Third Reich was disbanded and placed all over the, the, the country. We took most of them. Then they start NASA, and then all of a sudden we go to the moon. No, supposedly, but yeah. supposedly. We, uh, we, we but, developed a, a, a really nice film in uh, New Mexico. Yes. It wasn't yes. in New Mexico. It was in Vegas. Okay, whatever. But I just can't. And this is how I'm going to tie it back to 9-11 real quick. If, if we took all that technology, okay, and we got into this war because of this or nudged here and nudged there, why wouldn't 9-11 be another nudge to to go get something because then there's the conspiracy theory that they were over there looking for a stargate and yeah. you, you go down that rabbit hole. And then all of a sudden we just pull out with, and people are standing by inflated cargo aircraft. I, I, I don't get it, but I just, to, to, to sum it all up, 
all our governments around the world have been doing this since the beginning of time. Whether yeah. it was kings and rulers doing it to, to get information from another kingdom to infiltrate it or, or whatever, we're no different. We just do it with technology now. And it goes back to information is power. You know, if we have the most information, we have the most power. And if the Israelis were over here gathering information on us, and it, whether they were looking for Nazis or not is, you know, whatever, but they were still ga- gathering information, why are they trying to be more powerful th- than us? They're supposed to be our ally. I don't, I don't trust them as, as far as I can throw them, as far as I, I don't even trust England. I don't trust any country as far as I can throw them. I tr- we have no, I, I don't trust our government, but I trust our countrymen here in, in, in America for the most part. I got to tell you, uh, you brought up a really great point and that is the perfect explanation of everything. There's, there's no credibility anymore with the federal government. That's where we lack. We, we have no credibility. There is no outstanding credibility towards the American people. None, none. I will trust someone from Great Britain before I will trust someone from my own government. And that is, that is straight up the fucking truth. I, I don't. I will. I, I, will I won't trust their government agency. I would trust, trust a commoner, a commoner, okay, from there England, before I trust anybody just, from our federal government. Trust came to mind, and I was like, eh, no, I don't care how I, I'm just saying, conservative they claim she is. Uh-huh. A nope. I, I'm saying a commoner. I gotcha. A normal blue collar British working fella that is just as shit underneath his nails just as much as I am before I'd ever trust anybody in their media or anybody above them. I gotcha. I understand. I mean, that's sad when you, when you have to say that to at this date and time that our biggest fear is the federal government sticking another needle in your arm. Well, Oh no. Or killing you some new way. So do you hear? So Steve Bannon, if y'all heard about Steve Bannon, um, got indicted, turned himself in and they perp walked him and he was like, you're going to have to kill me first. Like you're, he, he literally said that, um, like I won't back down. You're going to have to kill me first. I but, have yet uh, not begun to fight. <laughs> yes. I have yet. I've, I've not yet begun to fight. Um, but, uh, then he went on Charlie Kirk and broke that they raided 35 people yeah. that day, 35 people. And I want to mm-hmm. say the Washington post talks about five. Now it's come out. They've raided 50 people. And Steve Bannon's and like they raided all the, you know, uh, top Trump people, all the top MAGA people. But he was like, they're they are looking to anybody that has a voice, anyone that speaks out, anyone that's dissident against the government expect to get raided. I was like, OK, uh, so I should expect to get raided. Well, then we have a very serious problem and my pre- preparations around my own abode I become first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, Jay Quando master, we have been trying to, uh, this is an, this is an official intervention for Mick on, uh, nine 11. And he has conceded that there is a larger conspiracy at foot than the general narrative that was put out. Although he does still believe that, um, jet fuel, burning jet fuel brought down the towers. That's, that's fine. He brought the science to back that up. Um, we brought all the conspiracies to him that he was not aware of. And he's now, um, come to terms with perhaps everything he did for 20 years was based on a lie. Not that he was, you know, wrong in doing it, but that it was based on a lie. So. But how do you forgive that? 
So, for instance, like, where do you stop? You, you can so, forgive anything you want to forgive. Where, 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 do, where, did, where did the yourself. Nazis? Where did the Nazis stop in Nuremberg? That's just my question. Why do you have to forgive? It, it's not about forgiving yourself. If it, you should automatically forgive yourself, because and this is your problem is that you hold a bigger grudge against yourself than anybody else ever does, all the time. Well, isn't that a good thing? No, because how can you ever expect anyone else to forgive you or anything if you can't forgive yourself? All right. Don't place the blame on yourself because the blame was not there. They played on your emotions and your fear, just like they did with everybody else. And just like they did with the pandemic, bud. Exactly. Why'd you take the jab? As a science experiment. Have you forgiven yourself for that? Oh yeah. Knowing that you may have Knowing now what you didn't know then that you could have potentially brought it home to us and shed it on us. Oh yeah. You've forgiven yourself for oh, that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause uh, it was water. There was no jab. But how is this different? It, it might, it could have been a real jab just because we found out that it wasn't just because you got a placebo. It could have been a real jab. How is this different? You didn't have that information then as you do, as you did now, you thought that you were doing everything in your power to protect your country, your fellow man, your family, right? It's not a matter of forgiving yourself. It's a matter of, fuck it, hold it against the government. I don't say forgive them because they don't deserve forgiveness. Well, either way. You have building six. six I do. The 9-11 so, secret. I do. The last on one, screen. the last clip, because James... The last thing he texted me was, he said, do you know about building six? And I said, no, I do. Okay, great. So, um, I, and actually I haven't even watched this clip. So this is from James from we, the people radio, um, who again is here in spirit and, uh, let's, let's see what it, what it has to say. I thought I'd heard it all. It's, it's called later, Billing Six. It was a 10 story building. It's a half a million square feet. That's a lot. It's missing the interior of the building. It's not crushed. It's not in the basement or something like that. It's actually missing. It's like somebody scooped it out. Now, think about this building. It's missing its core. That's your smoking gun. You don't need nothing else. Nobody's going to be able to argue with this. They can't say, oh, there's a nuke went off in that building. Because the core of the building is actually missing, but the exterior is intact. They're not going to be able to get away with saying, oh, it's just crushed or it's gone into the basement because it's not in the basement and it never got crushed. Everybody knows this. It's missing. Everybody ignored it. And it's not going to be ignored no more. This is something that you have to push out there. You have to do that. It's the. Uh, there it is. That's the inside of building six. The walls are intact, the basement is intact, and nobody has a friggin' clue what could do this. I wonder what's going through his head. There's no desks, there's no chairs, no office furnitures, there's no bathrooms. Everything is rusted, everything is hanging symmetrically straight down, and the floor is intact. Does it look like any big chunks of metal came down here and smashed all this in? What smashed all this in? If it got smashed in, nothing, say, or you would see it here right now. The basement's intact. The walls are intact. Just let this soak in.
you know, I can't explain it. It's not a nuclear explosion. It's not nanothermite that done something like done something like that. It's not an air blast over it or some kind of obvious thing. There's people everywhere. Nobody knows what happened to this. It's a big friggin' mystery. And certainly not explosives. Certainly not some kind of incendiary devices. It's not some kind of kinetic energy devices. Even though you see how everything is hanging, but it's not kinetically smacked apart and blown apart. Everything is symmetrical. It's just totally missing. That's where one of the towers kind of almost spilled over, and people said that's what crushed the inside of it. But now we finally see that that certainly um, wasn't a factor. Nobody knows what happened here. There it is. That's the inside of Building 6. The walls are intact. The basement is intact. And... Nobody has a friggin' clue what could do this. Okay. He sounds like a fucking idiot. Yeah, he does. Okay, I'm glad that I was not yeah. the only one who heard that. Yeah, he sounded a little retarded. Because he is a fucking retard. Okay. Anyway. What would do that? I hadn't seen that clip okay, before, and so I've not first heard about building six. I, so love, do that? I love the fact that he kept saying that the basement's intact, but the he showed intact? no pictures of the basement. Okay. I think they were in the basement. No, they weren't in the basement. They were on ground level, supposedly. That's the way the pictures were shown. Okay. They weren't in the basement. What I bet happened is, yeah, the fucking building came down on top of it, and there was so much of it that, yeah, it crushed the basement, and you ha now have a new floor. That is known to happen, especially if you have a deep underground building underneath something right next to another building. When it falls into it, it crushes pancakes, all those floors down. Now you have a new floor. I guarantee you couldn't find a stairwell down to the fucking basement at all. And he never showed a picture of it. But I thought the towers fell in on themselves. They did, but it still doesn't stop. The debris field is still going to be outside of that initial cone of black. You got to remember, you have all of this shit. Just take some salt. All right. But wouldn't it have taken take out the salt. walls? Listen, take salt, pour it directly in your hand from just about a foot above. Uh -huh. Watch how the salt reacts when it hits your hand. It bounces and spreads out, right? So if you eventually oh, get enough shit. salt. Yeah, that's thunder. Yeah, that's thunder. God's trying to tell me I'm Still right going. here. The angels are rolling up there. Fucking somebody just Can hit this stop, please? <laughs> so if Can you, you ask him to stop, please. If you drop the salt, and the salt hits another salt particle, what does it do? It bounces to one of the sides, correct? So as you continue to do that over and over again, if you do it long enough, you're going to eventually have the whole inside of your palm covered in salt. The point is, it's the same thing with Building 7. Building 7 on the backside of Building 7, understand that there were blown out windows. Do you realize what it takes to blow out a win window in downtown New York City? <laughs> Thermite. No, it takes a hell of a force, though. It takes a big explosion, bigger than a flat flashbang, because I've seen them go in and raid office buildings before with the New York City police, and they threw fucking flashbangs, and not a window popped. So I can tell you it's way more than a fucking flashbang. But it popped windows out on the opposite side of the building as it started to crumble, yeah. which makes me think whatever came down in the center of that building blew out to the side and went directly into building seven to for that amount of force to cause that to blow out like that that's a lot like on a, the back side like, of the building too not on the front side where it like was facing the blast multiple thermite explosions that were set up around the the 
I, I don't believe that, but Maybe sure, if you want to say that. Beams that would, I would think, blow the windows off. Just that I would think that, you know. Like control. Oh, you demolition. mean, how do you know that there was thermite there? Because somebody was welding there some fucking 100 years before the bu building was built. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. I, I mean, know. if your explanation is possibly true, so is mine. <laughs> I will concede that. If my explanation is possibly true, so is so is yours. At the end of the day, none of us are going to do any fucking thing. No, not not until. not unless somebody gets in charge that just says, not, "Hey, not look, unless here you go." Nine eleven was included in the declassified documents at Mar-a-Lago that will hopefully be revealed to us here shortly. Holy shit! Could you imagine if it was though? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, "Don't Holy hold your breath." Oh, wow. Fucking crap. Trump declassed all of that. If he declassed JFK, 9-11. Trump's Q. Trump is not Q. Trump's Q at that point. Maybe, nah. maybe Q plus. He might be Q plus, but. Anyway. Trump's Q. Yeah. So, all right. That would be amazing. <gasps> yeah, that's a Thunder Kicks. You're damn right that's a Thunder Kicks. Fuck yeah. Thunder. 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 Thunder Kicks. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so anyway, so one more time, where we can, where can we find you at ghost? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast gets you all the full episodes, including talk at the tavern and my weekly one conspiracy in the news is free. Uh, sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes Ryan and I go two hours. It all depends. You can find me anywhere. You get a, a, a podcast, Apple, Spotify, leave me a five-star rating and review. If you don't want to write a review, just go over to Spotify, hit the five-star walk away. Simple as that. Um, I thank you for having me on this. This was a blast. I did not come in with any intentions on trying to, to sway your mind, but maybe to take some of the guilt that you were feeling off of yourself because you, you gotta, you, it's easier said than done, but you gotta let some of that shit just, just walk. You know what I mean? It, we all, we, we all took commanding orders at one point in our life and you know, it is what it is, you know, but at the end of the day, we can agree our government's full of shit. And they put everyone into fucking positions to, they don't care about us. They don't, they don't care that you're feeling that way. They, nope. they, if they did nine 11 and it was an inside job and da, 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 they, they don't fucking care. The parasites do not care. All they want is money, power, money, and power. So, I wonder if that's the boom. Cause think about it. We've had what? Two generations since nine 11 now. Essentially, mm -hmm. I mean, two 10 year periods. Yeah. It's tw 21 years. Yeah. So we've had two 10 year periods. I wonder if that's a boom. I wonder because remember, Q said there was the boom. There would be the boom prior to HRC. So if there's a boom prior to HRC, right now we just had the queen. We just had fucking Biden come out first. Well, first we had Biden come out. And, and Biden did his, his, his yeah. label assault as domestic terrorist. We had the queen die. That's the second boom. Third boom, if this is true, would be D class. D class of information. Fourth boom, 9 11 is we find out that 9 11, and that's all it takes to set off America. Hmm. I, I mean, wonder. if we found out about 9 11 and JFK in the same fell swoop, that would set off, I mean, like over 90% of this country. Generations. Yes. Like our parents and us. I mean, honestly, like, think about it though. People that are. If you if you're not old enough to drink, you were not alive when 9-11 happened and it didn't affect you the same way. Yeah. You know, because today they're old enough to drink. they're old enough to drink. Yep. Kids that were born on 9-11, 2001. So if you're not old enough to drink, it 
it doesn't doesn't affect you the same way. What do they have like Shit. that? I don't know. Trump, Benghazi, Benghazi. I mean, they weren't pandemic. even they weren't even yeah. pandemic. Yeah, COVID. they weren't they weren't even old enough to remember Benghazi. Co- COVID is their 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 defining because they were eleven in history. But for them, it's they two would have been years. eleven years old when Benghazi happened. True. Yeah, for them, it's two years. For us, it was. I mean, it was it was a day. You know. I I don't know. That's, that is crazy to think about it that way. Yeah. So I, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a rough one. Anyway, um, hey, Gus, I'm gonna hit you up here uh, soon because Mick is going to be going out to Vegas a week before Justin's memorial, uh, mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna be looking for co-hosts while he's in Vegas. So I might uh, hit you up to come co-host the news with me one day. Okay. And uh, you started uh, what six o'clock? Six p.m. Yep. Eastern. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that, that, so. that's perfect. Cool. And we go for about two, go for about two hours. Um, okay. so yeah, so sweet. Cause, uh, yeah, I won't, I'll be on the, we, the people radio probably. So, yeah. So we'll, we'll be, I mean, you'll, you'll call in for some shows I'm sure, yeah, but, uh, absolutely. but there'll be some days when you're, you know, when you're traveling, when you're doing stuff that I'm going to need a co-host cause I suck at doing it by myself. So hey, I, I feel <laughs> you, you know, that that's why I bring guests on my show. Cause it's, it's hard. If you don't have someone sitting there next to you to bounce something off, I, I feed off other people's energy and, and, and ideas. So, you know, I, I, I say to Ryan all the time, like, dude, I don't, I don't know how you do solo shows because I, I suck. <laughs> yeah. But, he did a show, a solo show the other day. Um, I just or, pretended that I was talking to myself. 90, 90%. He, uh, he, he hosted a uh, daily dose for Josh, um, kind of at the last minute and I had to go pick up our kids. I was like, yeah, he can do it. Uh, you're right, Huey boy. Justin was the man at it. Justin always did a solo show. And like, I mean, yeah. he'd occasionally have guests on, but 90% of his shows were solo shows and more power to him because that shit is hard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you talk to yourself a lot. Apparently. I don't know. Me and Justin didn't have a problem <laughs> doing it. So, <laughs> No, your first solo show was the first time you did it when I wasn't here. That was kind of, that was, that was a rough one. Like you really, you came out of that and you were like, that was really hard. So uh, it was you know. hard. I, I won't argue, but after you easier. get rid of it, after you get rid of that initial fear, it's actually a lot easier to do. It's like yeah. talking in front of a crowd by yourself. It's not really all that hard to do. That's, I mean, I guess that's true. It's just when you have a crowd of people in front of you, like you pick a person to talk to. I mean, I guess you can do that on the Twitch channel too. When you have the chat going, you kind of pick a person. To See, we do to that. I don't know if, do you do that? Yeah. Do you go live? Um, not usually because I use zoom a lot. I, I kind of messaged you earlier. My web USB webcam does not work with, with StreamYard for whatever fucking reason. If anybody has any answers, I bet me and Shane have been trying to fucking figure this out for a long time. Email me at my third iPod at gmail.com because I would like to switch over to StreamYard because you have more platforms to, to go live. Are, are um, you, are you doing it through what, what do you use as an intermediary to yeah, StreamYard? Do you, do are you, you, you trying to use StreamYard direct or are you using OBS? I just go, I hit the link or go to streamyard.com. Dude, dude, yeah, go to OBS, go yeah. get OBS. Yeah, just get go get OB- OBS, OBS and that solves free. all your problems. It's a free download yep. and it's all of your production all and done, Mick mangled can, into one. Mick can walk you through it. It's kind of, it's not really user-friendly at first, but honestly, like our 
it uh, took me it took me about three days to figure I it mean, out. I mean, our our kid between mm-hmm. our kid, my cousin, and Justin, they taught him how to use OBS. And, and I'm an idiot. It, so. it hooks to StreamYard and then you it's won't have any problems too. with your camera. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's that's what you need. You need OBS as as your intermediary and then your camera will work. So Yeah, because I'm sitting here, I'm looking at, at my my video feed and I'm like, man, it fucking looks like shit. You know what I mean? Because I I'm using the laptop camera and I fucking hate it. I, you know, and you get you get podcasting. You know, you get particular about your audio, your video, everything. Oh, and, um, that's me. Yeah, I know. We, we upgraded to fiber recently, and it has made all the difference. But yeah, and we got a nice camera because Justin was like, "You have to get this camera." So we did. Um, we did not upgrade our lights yet. So now he messes with my light every single night. I turn it off. He turns it back on. Sometimes he messes with it during the show. If we say something he doesn't like, it's pretty funny. Um, but that's okay. We're getting new lights here soon. So nice. nice. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, so I will definitely hit you up to come co-host with me. That'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah, definitely. Sweet. Uh, that'd awesome. be a lot of fun. Okay. Well, we appreciate you coming on, sir. Yeah. BT. Yeah, thank I'm you sorry. for having me. You missed the whole damn thing. Um, we, we, we did an intervention with Mick on nine 11. So on I will say that the picture side. is a thousand times better. It is yes. 10,000 times better. It is. We've, I've, uh, it's come a long way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes All right. Difference. All right. Well, we appreciate it, sir. Thank you yeah. very much. This is great. Yep, you're welcome. We'll put, uh, in the chat, I gave you my number. So just reach out and sweet. We'll, we'll, hook, we'll hook up. So absolutely. We'll do. Let me write that down because we're yeah. going to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. I Perfect. love it. Okay. Live production. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good so okay. uh, we're going to get, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get, get you out of here. here and uh, we'll talk to you later. We appreciate it. We want you back. Definitely want you back on yes. because and like I think I said, he'd be think a lot. We're coming on your Friday show. And he'd be a lot mm-hmm. of fun when we do the uh, conspiracy roundtable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet we'd have a lot of fun. Yeah. You know who I want to get on there this November? Oh. I want to get the guy that did that podcast, that four-hour epic long podcast. I want to do a conspiracy roundtable on JFK's the date of his assassination. You want you want Corey Hughes? I want to get Corey Hughes back on here, and I want to fucking let okay. him like fucking school every doubter of the JFK assassination because holy shit, that guy's a walking encyclopedia. He is. He's amazing. Okay. Fuck yeah. All right. Sounds good. I think maybe I got to reach out to uh, Janet and Matt, but next Sunday we might end up doing part, part two, two of the Kovac special because right. there's so much more has come out. The new Israeli study. <laughs> I and, know. Oh my I saw God, it. It's been insane. It's been insane. ugly. So, um, yeah. Anyway. So either way, uh, okay. we appreciate it, sir. We'll, we'll talk to you later. You have a great night. Thanks for All right, coming. You on. too. Take care. God bless. It was a blast. All right, folks. So, uh, we will be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and uh, yeah, for the news, for the news. Mm-hmm. And I don't I know we don't I know we don't have anybody coming up tomorrow night. What about Tuesday? We do have someone coming up this week. Uh, oh, we've got uh, uh, Dr. Saeed coming on on Thursday. OK, love Dr. Saeed. All right. So, so Dr. Saeed will be in here on Thursday. Yeah. Other than that, we will be back tomorrow night again with the news, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go ahead, like, share, subscribe, and uh, we will talk to you later, fuckers. You all have a good night uh, for the Mick. And V-Lynn. Have a great night. Thanks for watching.
Thank you. 